note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. Lump didum, lump didum, Yep, this is the Christmas episode for Just Your Trekking. And this is how we're starting, with a nice jolly theme. Because this is a Lauren and Hardy episode, apparently. And, <laughs> come back. <laughs> wow, you're rusty. <laughs> some WD-40 on those... Uh... On those, on those pipes, brains. <clears throat> on those brains. This is adjust your tracking. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, Liam. Hi. How are you? I've missed you. <laughs> Thank you. I've missed you too. Shall I introduce the show? Yeah, go on. Okay, this is adjust your tracking, a podcast where we're on adventure to watch a century of cinema. Cinema. <laughs> God, I cinema. Fucked. <laughs> <laughs> A podcast for an adventure to watch a century cinema, decade by decade, year by year. And this is Christmas. And I'm one half of your host, Liam Delaney. And with me is... Hello, I'm Ollie Jones. How are you doing? I am... I'm very tired. That's what I am. I'm incredibly tired. <laughs> I think you can tell. Yeah, it's it's been a while since we've recorded together. Probably almost like nearly two months, maybe? Probably about two months, yeah. That's yeah, about, yeah. It's Halloween. I tried to keep it going in your absence, but um, I managed to get one episode done. (laughs) I've tried to get one with Brandon done, but that hasn't happened. But but you've got some new digs now, haven't you? So we hopefully might be able to get back on a schedule. Yeah, I think we'll be able to get back in a schedule in the new year. Yeah, I've I've effectively been homeless for two months, just like (laughs) on like friends' sofas. Well, you've stayed on a podcast regular, Paul Naden's couch, I think. I have been. I've been in Paul Naden's spare room. But yeah, I've finally got a place sorted for the uh, 14th, I think is when I move in. Uh, yeah, it is. Awesome. So hopefully this, this period of like a, two months of just like transience will be coming to an end and we'll be able to get into a schedule again and record because I'm raring to go for the 30s. That'd be really fun. But you, you've got to be excited though because you, you must be pretty close to the seaside. Yeah, 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 totally close to the seaside. It's about That's... 20 minutes away. And I've already oh. been to the Odeon there, which is on the seaside, yeah. which I really Is it a nice cinema? Um, it's it's quite old, but it's it's good enough. Like It's one of those it's really like, quite old Odeons, you know? Like, I've walked past it many times, and there's like a there's like a nightclub that I think is right, right next to it. Yeah, there is. And um, Are there any, like... There's a, there's a cool cinema as well, by the comic shops as well, like past the... You know the alleyways, or whatever you call what do you call it, the um, the lanes, the lanes. Yeah, just at the back of there, there's a cinema as well. Yeah, there's the Duke of York cool. Cinema, which is um, yeah, it looks it's beautiful. It looks more like the electric or something, you know, a bit more boutiquey. Yeah, it's um, arguably the oldest cinema in the UK, though I I say oh, really? arguably because there's different like ranks of what the oldest cinema is. So like, there's the oldest cinema that was purposely built as a cinema. Then there's the oldest cinema that was a converted theatre. And then there's like the oldest continuously running cinema. So that's like three different categories of who can claim to be the oldest cinema. And I think I think Brighton is the oldest purpose-built cinema, I think. So what's the electric in That's the Birmingham That's the is? oldest continuously used as a cinema. Like it was never another thing. Right, because it closed down after 
after the one or two of the lockdowns, but apparently someone's bought it out. Yeah, apparently it's coming back, yeah. So it's coming back, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But no, I'm really happy for you finding a place down there now, so that's super cool. Because I can't, like, obviously you started a new job, and I can imagine, like, you want to enjoy your new job, but because of your situation, it's probably been hard to kind of sell into it properly. It's been so hectic, because, like, I've been just been like moving pillar to post like honestly it's been paul's been so lovely to let to put me up for a while but just being able to give me some like stability and not having to like mm-hmm. find a new airbnb <laughs> or hop on another train and stuff like that which which really was like the first month um which is just so tiring uh so yeah i'm back i'm back in herefordshire for like uh, about about two weeks and then um then back to brighton i think and hopefully moving in just after that which would be fun. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. So, um, have you been watching any films in the past couple of months or Well that's the that's that I think that's the part of the part of the thing that I've been so stressed about. It's because I've been watching so little amount of films because it's like my normal <laughs> habits are just like not available to me. So I've been um only catching up whenever I can. Though I've honestly for me, I haven't been watching a lot of films. For like the normal person, I've probably, I've still watched right, a okay. ton of films. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I've literally watched three films since we last recorded because I've been working back to back on several music videos. So I've only watched Ghostbusters, which I haven't uh, seen yet. I did listen to half the episode that you did with Rob <laughs> and James. I've turned it off when you started talking about Afterlife because I want to watch it without a- spoilers. <laughs> I was actually quite pleased with that episode. I felt like. We're I was on, enjoying it, on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was, when we did Frankenstein and Brain Damage, I felt quite tired and because I was in the middle of <laughs> production of a music video, but I refreshed for, for Ghostbusters, so I felt like I was on form. It was just a shame you weren't there for it, but... Um, <laughs> don't tell but, me um, that my, my lovely Frankenstein episodes were boring because you were asleep. <laughs> no, I don't think you were boring. I think I was boring. I was half asleep, I think, during those. Um like I didn't, I just feel like I didn't do those films justice. That's what I'd like to, because it's like, it was one of those like I watched them like a couple of hours before we recorded, so I was like, Ooh! <laughs> so it's like you know, you know, you you want to give yourself a little bit of time to kind of process it. Well, spoilers for today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, the other film I watched is uh, a film called Lords of Chaos. I don't know if you've heard of that. Uh, I can picture the front cover actually. It's um, yeah, I can picture the front cover, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Which is about uh, the black metal band uh, Mayhem, which um, is part of the Lords of uh, Saga. So you've got Lords of the Flies, Lords of War, the oh, Lords Christ. of Dogtown. <laughs> this is what no, we had not. to pause for and do to come back to. <laughs> no, it's got uh, it stars Rory Corkin, you know, um, Macaulay Corkin's. Succession. Um, brother, no, that's not, is that Succession? Young, is he Succession, Colkin? Wasn't, no. Was he in uh, Mean Creek? He may have been in Succession, but I don't think he was in Mean Creek. Rory Colkin. But anyway. Um, check if he's in Succession, Colkin, because I've watched a whole one episode of that now. So I'm on board with all the stuff online. Yeah. Now it's Kieran <laughs> in Succession. But um, Sigur Ross did the music for the film. Oh, like, nice. Kind of like the, the instrumental kind of stuff. Because black metal. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't quite go down well, but um, it kind of <laughs> tracks there like uh, mayhem from the beginning to the end because spoilers. So that's all the church burning, is is it? 
Yeah, so it's about the church burning, yeah. which, you know, I did that music video called Burning Churches. It's about the guys that kind of, these guys that burn the churches. Churches. So you've kind of got... Um, churches. Yeah, you got uh, what's his name? It's uh, Varg, who Varg, he yeah, was the ba- he was the bassist of Mayhem, but he was had his own um, kind of side project, and they were called oh, I've forgotten what they were called now. Uh, Burzum, Burzum, and uh, yeah, the Rory Culkin plays uh, Eronymus, who's Eronymus, like the yeah, of Mayhem. yeah, yeah. And it's I about listened to how- a podcast documentary about about this actually. Yeah, because Varg actually killed Eronymus, basically. Yeah. Um, but he said he did it in self-defense, but he did stab him like 120 times or something like that. Right, so, sometimes you got to be sure. <laughs> yeah, you've really got to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, and another member of the band also killed uh, like a, killed a man as well and stuff like that. It was all really fucked up that time in, um, uh, where is it, in Sweden? Norway, I think it is. So, yeah, it's, uh, what's it? I think it's Norway. Is it Norway? Yeah, Norway. Sorry, yeah. But yeah, the uh, the original uh, guitar, uh, the original singer who was called Dead, and he committed suicide, and then Anonymous actually took photos of him, and mm. used him as the cover for one of their like their first album or EP or something. To be fair, but, Dead um, probably would have liked that. <laughs> yeah, but the film itself wasn't great. I don't think. Okay. It kind of it kind of felt like people playing. Do you know what I mean? Like it didn't feel true or honest or uh, real. Fair enough. It felt it just felt a bit kind of fake. Which I know it's a film, so it's going to be fake. But I don't know. Do you know what I mean? It didn't yeah, yeah, feel yeah. kind of yeah. It didn't feel lived. But in. then yeah. Other than that, we I uh, I've watched a film that I think you've watched as well, which we'll talk about together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. I mean, I've watched. Since we last recorded, I watched loads, so I can't start going through since we last yeah, recorded. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But Cherry like, pick. I'm kind of trying to put, catch up with the big releases, really, uh, because like Oscar season's coming in now, um, and they're starting to pump them all out. So I watched like um, Benedetta, which is awesome. I fucking loved oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, I was going to say Thomas Anderson film. It's not Thomas Anderson. Um, <laughs> the new um, uh, Paul Verhoeven movie. Which is proper, like kind of like historical Christian drama mixed with Verhogen kind of exploitation, like violence and sex. Um, yeah, it rules. Like, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. Was his last film L? Yeah, it has was. he done one since? Yeah, because I liked L was, L. L was really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I caught up with the last jewel. Uh, Oh yeah, how was that? Was totally unfairly like just shat upon at the do- box office because people just aren't going to go see movies like this anymore. It, it yeah. rules. I loved it. Such a good film. Like really underrated. And even like Isn't I it thought a bit it Rashomon-y? Yeah, it is. It totally is about yeah. like seeing this uh, thing from three different perspectives. And um Matt Damon slightly out of place in a medieval drama. Ben Affleck surprisingly not Ben Affleck's surprisingly kind of like dialed in to um like a weird medieval French kind of drama, which I don't well, think I, you'd ever kind of cast pic- him in. The pictures of him, he's like completely clean. Sh- has he got like one? No, has he got like a little tufty goat? He's got a little tuft he, on his chin, I think. Chinny chin chin. But he's got that kind of bowl headed cut, hasn't he? Or yeah, he has. Yeah. yeah, but he's really Looks got like, the kind um, of like dukedom, like playboy kind of down. It it works like. Yeah, Yeah. 
Um, Adam Driver, just brilliant. Yeah, go Adam Driver. Awesome. <laughs> um, no, I and do yes, Adam Driver. Really recommend The Last Duel. I haven't caught it with House of Gucci yet, which I really want to watch. Um, I mean, like two films within the space of like a month of each other. Short, like is I know is that Rid- like Ridley's the, insane, <laughs> and he's like he's in his eighties now, isn't he? Um, from all the stories, people aren't that happy with um, a House of Gucci, but it just looks so campy and ridiculous to me that I'm sure I could have fun with it. But it's, uh, I mean, I don't really know the story or whatever it's about. But um, you know, it's about fashion, the fashion world, which has got to be over the top anyway. And it, but is doesn't Gucci now run by Tom Ford or whatever the guy who directed a sing series a single man and uh, what's it called? Uh, the other one that he did, <laughs> Nocturnal Animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so is he in the film? I wonder. I don't think so because it's about the kind of. Um, murder of the patriarch isn't it in the 80s right okay like, um i think it's uh it basically looks like a kind of very expensive like i don't know american crime story or like kind of thing to me like just high camp and like like stuff like that well they did one of those didn't they didn't they do the versace they one? they did versace yeah with the serial killer yeah yeah oh tom ford is in the film oh is he <laughs> he's played by reeve carney Okay, don't know who that is actually. Right. Neither do I. He looks like he's a musician. <laughs> um, carrying on, I, I watched uh, Tick Tick Boom, which fucking Ooh, rules. Yeah. Absolutely fucking <laughs> rules. One of the best films of the year by far. Andrew Garfield has got to be up there for like best actor this year. Um, also talk about him in a bit, but uh, I also um, <laughs> uh, I also watched The Power of the Dog, Jane Campion's new film. Again, that fucking rules. That is like best of the year for me right now it's so good that that's on netflix and um i think benedict cumberbatch is a serious contender for best actor he's really really fucking good in um we'll talk about uh, him uh, again as well we'll talk about him in a band and he doesn't have a <laughs> shitty wig on uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, i also watched the french dispatch which I, i've slightly cold on um i'm gonna i want to watch it again i don't like it as much as i liked um his, his previous films, even though I actually I didn't like uh, Isle of Dogs, but um, did you know I loved Isle of Dogs? I liked the animation. I, mean, I just did not get into it at all. I just left me cold. Like the whole thing left me cold. No, I really liked it. I did like <laughs> the only film of his that two films of his that I kind of probably need to rewatch is Bottle Rocket. I think it's just because one of his earlier films, and I don't think his style had, had yeah fully kicked in. Obviously, into I mean when Rushmore like that was. He was set then, wasn't it? That was yeah. like... Was that four years later or something, yeah. Yeah, and then um, Darjeeling is another one I think I, I really need to revisit. I, I quite think. like Darjeeling. I've seen it a number of times, almost accidentally. Um, and some at some point it kind of just started clicking with me, I think. Um, but I just... I, I liked French Dispatch. Like, it's such a huge... Uh, project like such a feat of like like filmmaking in in a massive way that I loved watching it and I and I did like watching it and I did like what and but I didn't quite get into yeah, it I think yeah, it's but... the I think it's the anthology aspects of it I think that right. always quite happens with anthology films because you're left with smaller stories and small amount of time to get no to know characters and stuff like that so I think that might be worthy if I just gave another watch really 
there's definitely stuff I really, really, really loved in it, but stuff that I just don't, I almost couldn't even tell you about because I barely remember it, <laughs> really. <laughs> like Jeffrey Wright's amazing in it, though. That's one thing that's really stood with me. Yeah. No, I, I do want to check that out. Yeah, you should. It's definitely, like, just in terms of, like, him bringing all his stuff together, you know, the kind of moving scenes and uh, sets, sorry, and just a very intrin- intrinsic kind of control over movement on sets and stuff like that. It's such a feat. Like, Is he doing, like, the aspect ratio shifts again and things like that? or Definitely, but I didn't notice so much shifts apart from it all being really in, like, like in one aspect ratio really because i've heard people are like surprised because he actually uses handheld camera and shaky cam in it and people are like whoa, <laughs> whoa he's doing new things calm down wes he's actually moving the camera just by hand and not like like a mechanical tripod thing that very proper like <laughs> pans or like kind of i don't know and kind of last of my new releases that because like, just to go back though the one thing that annoys me is people moan about wes anderson doing all the same stuff yeah. But that's kind of what I like about Wes Anderson because oh, yeah. Wes Anderson makes Wes Anderson films. I mean, I don't you know, that no one else makes films like him, so I'm kind of happy to kind of for him to play in his own wheelhouse. And as long oh, as he absolutely. mixes it up a little bit each time, then I'm totally happy with that. And, I, you know, as long as the film's good, I don't care. There's a weirdness to like his stuff is so exactly Wes Anderson. There's a weird element mm-hmm. that people watch and go, Oh, he's just doing the same thing again. But he's not. <laughs> he actually like he isn't. Yeah. It's yeah. just that's how his stuff looks like. I don't know. I like just the performance he got out of uh Rafe uh, who is it? Is it Ra- Ralph Fight? No, which finds is it in um <laughs> Exactly not I can't even think <laughs> Grand in Grand Budapest Hotel. It is, it is Ralph I was going to say, I was going to say, um, <laughs> the, um, Exotic Marigold. Ho- yeah, I was going to say that one. The hotel. But yeah, his performance in that is almost like an animated character. He's so like, yeah, perfect. He's almost like one of those kind of like Pixar kind of like, I think you know. Budapest remains his masterpiece, basically. You think so? I yeah. Think. Like, it's not my favourite. Wes Anderson's no. Life Aquatic is, but I think Budapest is his kind of masterpiece in in see, that kind of storytelling. See, it's funny. A lot of people don't like um, uh, uh, Life Aquatic. It seems to be quite... It is quite divisive, yeah. Yeah. But I, I just adore that film. It's, <laughs> it's got so stop much. motion animals yeah. in it. I'm down for it. And I'm always up for people some dramatic walking at the end of a film. <laughs> to uh, Queen Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I also the only thing one of the only things I went to cinema to see <laughs> though I, I did go see something else um, I don't know why we're hiding this but uh, I went to go see um, West Side Story in, uh, oh, I do want to watch this it it, it oh, it's so good on the cinema it, I, I just it's so good I don't know how Spielberg does it frankly it's um yeah it what he's just I don't know how he pulled it off. I don't know how he managed to make a remake of one of the most like, like perfect musicals ever made, and actually <laughs> give it a reason to be remade. You know, and actually, like, it's worthy of having a remake, and it looks amazing, and it's brilliant. Like, it's it's so good. Like, it's kind of feels like him doing the impossible. Really, it's diff- It's good in different ways as well. That's the thing. It's better in different ways. It's worse in different ways. It's just. It's absolutely Spielberg, and I can't believe this is his first musical, and he's just his 
His screen know, language is 75. so perfect for musicals. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, because yeah, his use of camera and like knowing where to put, where to place a camera. Yeah, he's just perfect for it. Do you know what I mean? But um, but it's a shame that Stephen Sondheim died. I know just before, like just before it came I out. I mean, I, I I would like to hope that he got to see it before he passed away. But um, yeah, I, I'd I do, probably think so. But. I do love the original, and because, like, so my office is my old bedroom in my parents' house, so I work from my parents' house, but my dad plays the piano all day, every day. Okay. And the the one thing he plays a lot is the West Side Story score, huh. like the, the music. So I'm constantly hearing it all day, every day, <laughs> like from downstairs, I can just hear the piano <laughs> going. That's awesome. I have to say, America is, is one of the best things ever put on screen, like mm. Spielberg's America. It's it's oh, really? stunning. It's absolutely a stunning set piece. Like it's pro. It's absolutely like a master film like maker showing off. It really, really is. Um, how much? How much? How reliant is he on CGI with it and stuff like that? Is it? Is it more just to expand sets and stuff like that as opposed? I, to I'm sure of... it's all over it. Yeah, because they yeah. recreate a lot of um, that New York in that time period and stuff like that. So I'm sure it's absolutely all over it. But, and I'm sure they're doing a lot of stuff with CGI, with pumping colours and stuff like that up and stuff. But yeah, yeah. yeah, for me, sitting in the cinema watching it, it didn't even occur to me, really. I, never, I didn't really think about it too much, apart from a couple of very obvious shots. Just it just sank into it, basically. Really right. did. It was uh, honestly great going to sit in the cinema. It really wasn't a packed cinema. It was just a few queers and old people. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> and who, it was during the trailers, they... Uh, you could hear like the stunned kind of uh, like appreciation of the new Downton Abbey trailer, <laughs> like in the kind of anticipation when that finished, like the murmur Hang of on, kind of film excitement. Film or TV show? The new film, Downton: The Return, a, or something. I think it's called. Just a new film of Downton. Yeah. I had no idea. I had no, no idea. nor did I until I saw it in the trailer for West Side Story, and then following that was the trailer for Spider Man, and they just talked all over it. It really made me laugh. Like they didn't, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't give a shit. Didn't, didn't give a shit. <laughs> And that leads us. Yeah. So um, yeah, let's let's get into it. I mean, let, spoil, spoilers spoilers from the get go. I may as well say this. Yeah. So you may want to skip ahead like five ten minutes. Um, well, yeah, maybe a little longer, knowing us. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think like yeah, we're saying we're doing a Christmas episode just to catch up and do a nice Christmas film from the thirties. But we figured why not give a big long chat about the new Spider Man film that's come out because it's something we both love, something we're both really interested in. And yeah. um, and it might be and might be fun to kind of chat about really more than anything else and catch up. And I so. think I think we've kind of speculated on it in a couple of episodes. Yeah, enough. Back and forth yeah, and, and uh, like I think a couple of weeks ago, I messaged you on WhatsApp, and I was like, I'm I'm just getting Rise of Skywalker vibes from this film. I just don't <laughs> care about it really anymore. But yeah. I don't know how. How did you feel about this film? What what did you what did you think? Uh, it's so difficult. I, I think off the bat, I'd like to say that it's really enjoyable, frankly. Yeah. Um, and I think that can't be dismissed at all. But it's an utter mess. On a, yes, it's, it's, it it's is. It's an utter mess of a film. And it's baffling how much... I don't know. I feel like very lonesome in this opinion. <laughs> no, I'm 100% with you. I think the things it's got going for it is that Tom Holland is fantastic. And I think he's really good. Yeah, he I is, think yeah. I think Zendaya is really good. Zendaya knocks uh, out the park. Yeah, she's really, yeah, really and, good. Um, 
but like you said it, it is a mess and i think they f- some of the big moments in it you know the big spoiler moments i think for me are really fumbled by really lazy direction or or just the, the okay without being around the bush when toby Maguire and andrew garfield are introduced into the film it's in a dining room and, and I kind of I don't know if they're trying to subvert your expectations and kind of downplay it a bit but like everyone knew they were going to be in this film and I think they could have had their introductions I think they could have done so much better on those introductions I really do I, I, abs- I absolutely agree um, that it's and, so funny and it's just they so just lazy when they the come in it's just, it's, it's just close up close up wide close up close up wide and then you look at films like what Sam Raimi did, and the camera's always flowing. It's like yeah, it's John never Watts stopping. Is not a good director. And you know, and like, let's be honest, Spider Verse did everything this film did, and did it a hundred times better. Now, yeah. Don't get me wrong; I enjoyed this film. I had fun with it. I enjoyed seeing Tobey Maguire. I enjoyed seeing Andrew Garfield. But like, Spider Verse and Spider Man Two are hands down like they're, you know, they're the you know what do you call it the, the top of the totem pole they're the, what you've got to kind of reach for and this film did not for me meet those films in any stretch of the imagination um but like the way they introduce like peter b parker in uh spider verse is just fantastic yeah and i don't i yeah. don't know if having two extra spider-man kind of muddies it a bit maybe i think if it was there's just... i think there's so much in this that muddies the water i think that's yeah. like, like the thing that i can't stop thinking about is how much the everything in this film muddies the water to like to goes against what it's trying to do like and if it was just toby that... it would clean it up a bit i think but then it would be a bit of a fuck you to to andrew garfield who i do actually think gets some nice little moments in the film andrew garfield is is wonderful in this film like yeah he's oh, absolutely i think he's wonderful i think I, and he's, he absolutely yeah. kind of he justifies everything about like him being in it um to the point i just i i loved him and i have to say that there was a couple of people next to me a couple on down the line there was like three uh three girls are i don't know about 10 years younger than me maybe not like massively younger they just were all over him. They were so excited for him to be in it. They, they, I could, they were cheering when he walked through that portal when he took his mask off and stuff like that. They were so excited to see him, um, and that's what they're aiming for, you know. And that made it really fun watching for me. And the best bit in this film is when Garfield saves um, MJ. Oh yeah, that's, like, that's it, the best scene in this whole film, and it's because it's got the two of the better actors in the film doing it. I think that's kind of why it works as well. Who are really locked into that performance is. Yeah, I mean, like when I saw the trailer and like she she's falling and Peter doesn't get her or whatever. Like at yeah. the MCU, I was like, she's gonna get saved by one of the others. Like it's that's kind of like I was gonna say this. There's nothing that happened in this film. Actually, that's not true. There's one thing that happened in this film that I didn't know was gonna happen. Like right. you know, we sat down when we chatted about this. What what you know, speculating what's gonna happen, and we just knew everything. And I didn't think that I was like any kind of insider details or anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah but yeah. like the trailer just left so much like stuff obvious. And um, the only thing I said, I said to you that I think Toby's going to die and give the, you know, the line to, to um, Tom. And so that's the yes. only thing that didn't happen was that they just gave it to Aunt May instead. But they um, do almost like, you do think they're going to kill Toby Maguire. He gets yeah. stabbed by a massive, he gets impaled by a giant spike. 
and then he kind of is all right so funny that line of like i've been stabbed loads of times before is both kind of like shitty like it feels like they edited around something like maybe even edited around him dying (laughs) um but also kind of funny as well like that was a weird weird bit of this film like um, what do you think of toby Maguire? i thought he was great i really did i really really did think he was good and he had that and proper. He had a proper amount of like. Um, they did a proper amount of work to separate the three Spider-Men, um, and he was bringing that kind of elderness to it. <laughs> but it's it's like the, the the shitty thing about this film isn't the people in it. That's why no, I no, because I think, like I said, I think the acting is really good on yeah. for pretty much most people in the film. And I think the the thing I can really praise this film for is they nailed the third act, which yeah, I don't. I think, think that's Marvel where all the fa- that's do. where it all. That's where it all comes from, I think. That's yeah. where all the goodwill comes from. Because I think the I, I didn't I think Jamie Foxx was probably one of the weakest links. Oh, Jamie, yeah, he really was. And the lizard. I, I have lizard so was... much questions about all this kind of the villain stuff. They honestly only really needed to have Defoe in it. Like yeah. honestly, nothing really would have changed if they just had Defoe. Like I like Melina absolute... in it. Like I liked, I, I like thought, Melina, but uh, he has nothing to do. For, apart from the first part, he has ab- yeah. he absolutely just gets written out. Like, what is he doing between the apartment fight and the statue? Like, well, this is, he is what just I was <laughs> wondering because because we know he's good now. Are we meant to yeah. believe? Oh, is that has that explosion caught, like damaged his chip again? Damaged the chip or something? Yeah, because he just disappears and it's like, hang on a minute. What, why was he not in the science labs with? Yeah, why didn't with, he go and help all... like yeah. Peter or anyone? <laughs> It didn't make any sense to me. Like, and they do a really shitty, like, um, fake out that he's still evil. But we know he isn't. Like, it was a shitty fake out. They just put him in there because they forgot to put Melina back in the film, it felt like, (laughs) at the end. Like, my friend was joking that he went to go see a um, fiddler on the roof in that time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But it's so, he doesn't do anything after that. And it's really annoying because even his fight, the first introduction is, is... is um melina doc Ock, and it's not got that vibrancy of like sam raimi and you you instantly are like this is like poor quality like like copy of sam raimi and i think it never quite gets past that with doc Ock. i think like yeah. i mean melina's good but it never quite gets past just being a poor copy and i think so much of this film is hampered by covid shit i think like the introduction of them in the in the room is a covid thing you know, just them walking in and how they're blocked in that. Do you like, think so? I think so. Why? And I think Why that, is that though? No, no they think, could. They could do it. They could do like so many different things with like. Oh, you there's think different things they can do. You think yeah. it's Tom Holland Spider Man, like like in silhouette, like zipping around, and then all of a sudden it's revealed. It's. I don't understand how they didn't do anything like that in this. Uh, and they it's just. I think it was, it was like just Andrew really Garfield late. just it, hiding in tunnels for like. It just days. felt really lazy, and I don't know. I think the we- I really hated the first part of the film. That's what I really wanted to get to. Like the the um the blocking in the the kind of set pieces with like zapping them into like the little chambers. That felt really COVID stuff. That to me. felt like that felt like none of those actors were there. Yeah. At the same time. At the same time at all, and it was shit. It was so boring. Yeah. And they and they had to get so far in. Like I kept on checking the time. It was like over an hour before like anything kind of started moving in the plot and this it was all set up and it was so much crappy setup like the whole beginning of it with him being hunted by the police because he's spider-man like happy and may splitting up 
them moving from the apartment, the Infowars stuff, like him being arrested by the FBI, happy, like, happy also being arrested by the FBI, the introduction of, like, Matt Murdock, the, um, the relationship problems with him and Z- um, MJ, the first day at school, the him going to Doctor Strange to do the spell. I hated that scene with the teachers so much. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. Like, and yeah, him going to him going to Doctor Strange to set the spell up. Doctor Strange saying he's not going to do it. Doctor Strange then doing it. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a lot of. It, it's also like Sandman. Like, I'm good. I'm bad. I'm yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Bad. Like then, yeah, then the MIT stuff. Having to go to MIT, we're all going to get in MIT, which is a dumb thing to anyone to think. Um, them all not getting in <laughs> MIT. Them, then him going to decide he's going to talk to the lady on the bridge. Like this is a whole hour, and it's just paced so yeah. badly. Like it's it's rushed. It's it's got so much to talk about. It's not giving any breathing room whatsoever. It's it's muddled. It's pointless. Like there's absolutely no reason for them to have to write into this script to move to Happy's apartment. It doesn't need to be there. Yeah. Like Happy basically doesn't need even need to be in this. Frankly. Also, this like, is meant to be set like a good what a couple of days after um the previous Spider-Man film. Mm. And. Uh, Let's just say he's had a few Twinkies in between these films, so he doesn't look the same. <laughs> it's just annoying. Like I found it just muddled, and they're finally trying to give like you know Mar- Mar- Marissa Tomei stuff to do in that beginning section because yeah because you know, they know for her. Yeah. yeah, and it's finally they'd start doing it, but they give a crap to do when really what they should have done is just stripped it away at the beginning, and it should have been about like. Aunt May, Peter, and like MJ, just get them yeah. that first bit of the film. Get that nailed. Don't worry about the f- stupid set pieces like MIT and stuff like that. That's that was a distraction for the plot, you know, because it ultimately was. Even like Doctor Strange felt like a distraction to the plot in this, like the huge fight throughout the Mirror Universe, which was cool, but it all felt like just distraction from me sitting there knowing that two other Spider-Man are going to be in this and yeah, the, that, all the villains are. Like, do you know what I mean? It just felt if, like, oh, get to it. Like, I'd rather have, yeah, the, have that more up front. Um, the one thing I was confused about, okay, so at the end, he, you know, he said, I, no one should know who I am anymore. Mm-hmm. No one knows who Peter Parker is. Okay, does that affect then Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire? I don't, I don't know. Because like, like this is the thing about magic. It's so con- it's just convenient. It's like, there's no rules to it or anything. And I find that's why I find magic a bit messy in films. Because it's like, well, I like and that's you can same just regard. do anything. And it's like and then it, it can't do something when it's convenient. But then it can do something when it's convenient. I'm just like mm, yeah. in that same regard. Like, uh, why was Electro there? Because Electro didn't know Peter Man- Peter Parker was Spider Man. <laughs> Like, exactly, why, yeah. And, and why was Venom in the yeah. film? Because Peter Parker doesn't even exist in his universe. So that doesn't make any sense. Like, Well, I think spoilers for Venom, the last Venom film, I haven't seen it. There's an end credit sequence where he gets blipped into the MCU. <laughs> and he's watching a news report with Spider-Man on TV, which is Tom Holland saying he's now Spider-Man. <laughs> Really? Is that the end of the So I think the two? idea is the whole idea is a setup was that people thought, ah, oh, Tom Hardy's in the MCU now. He's not. He blipped no, no, into the not. MCU, left a symbiote, and then blipped out again or whatever it's called. Yeah. 
But then I'm confused then. Is Mobius now part of the MCU or is that part of the... I don't care about the Mobius. Sony stuff because the vultures <laughs> in that. I know. It's then, so bullshitty messy. Like, yeah. But do you think though they did this because they're pretty much writing out Tom Holland out of the MCU because nah. no one knows who he is? Nah, not at all. Not at all. No. I'm, I'm not saying he's not going to be Spider-Man, but I just think they, he's going to be Spider-Man in Sony stuff and not MCU nah, stuff. Nah, nah, nah. Why would Sony do that? Like, there's know. no need for them to do that. Like, there's so much money they're making. If Sony want to make more money, they can just make an Andrew Garfield film. <laughs> like, like if well, they really there's, cared. Like, there's a petition going on now, isn't there? It? Is, like, yeah. You know, like Which a Snyderverse kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But they could. They yeah. they would more likely to do that than than jeopardize the amount of money they're making through Marvel because this is the, think... like the most successful film I ever made. Like, so. well, it's the second highest grossing weekend of all time. It's like yeah. six six hundred million dollars or something like that at this point. Yeah, it's basically a super spreader event. I would have a look at Box Office Mojo, but um, that website has pretty much shit its pants in the last couple of years. It's it's bullshit that they had to do basically one more day, which is the worst Spider-Man story ever it's told terrible, in the comics. Yeah. And it's shitty they had to do this to basically just get Spider-Man to the point where he should have been in the first film. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. and it's so dumb that this is the amount of hand-wringing they had to do to just get him to the point of being Spider-Man. It's so weird. I was hoping that, you know, the end when he's in the... Um, He's got his apartment, which I don't know how he gets an apartment because technically he doesn't exist. He hasn't got a job. Like, a, and, <laughs> but like, I was hoping you at least hear rent or something in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was, and I just like, uh, I mean, I want to talk. I want to be nice to it because there was stuff that's really fun. There is like, is I, I liked watching the three like Spider Man zip together. I, I I love seeing the Raimi suit again, and Defoe is just wonderful like if they didn't have Defoe for this it wouldn't have been the same film but well, Defoe is so on point and so like into it and so committed like the, the apartment scene fight when he's getting punched and each time he's grinning wider and wider and wider well, it's nice so that fun. you can actually see his face as the yeah. character in the action which is pretty cool well, what I was going to say awesome. though I think Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man looked the best out of all of them like his suit for me is Spider-Man it just works doesn't it yeah it's like you know, I was thinking about this, like, you know, we were 18 when that first Spider-Man came out. So it's not like Batman 89 or Batman Returns level of nostalgia from when we were kids. But I think it was it came out at such a important time of our lives. You know, we were finishing school. We were about to start university, like start our new lives. So it's kind of that's all ingrained into that film for me. And then, and then when the second one came out, me and you were trying to make our like zombie film or whatever and we're all obsessed with <laughs> Sam Raimi and stuff like that so we went to go and see that like the day before we went to start filming our zombie film or whatever <laughs> so like I've got a lot of nostalgia for for the um, Sam Raimi Tobey Maguire Spider-Man so it was just I, I loved seeing him in this film and I loved the kind of interactions yeah. about his uh, his webs and stuff like that yeah um, compared to their and I thought that was quite fun and um it all felt a little memey at points, which is a bit annoying. Um, yeah, it it does a little bit of that annoying callback dialogue kind of stuff, which I hate. It's just the Marvel stuff, like the the quips in this really were some of the worst oh, that yeah. they've been. Like the, especially Doctor Strange, who delivered like three quips that had made no sense in context. Scooby Doo, this shit. <laughs> Yeah, and the one we go, the the kind of the ongoing, the callback one about Stephen or Sir, 
he, yeah. he literally says like call me steven then he, so he does it and he goes that's not right and it's like well what the, what's this joke you just said do it <laughs> like what's this joke it doesn't what's make any he sense meant to call you <laughs> yeah why, why are you being a dick but and it's weird like i was saying about one more day it's weird that you would transcribe like mephesto into into doctor strange into this storyline because it's very much in one more day the whole point of it is that Lichy's making a deal with the devil and this is not going to be a good thing if you do this and in in this film it's meant to be a friend and mentor well i think that's <laughs> like, the one thing we thought speculated that we thought it was going to be mephisto as in disguises sure as doctor strange we're thinking why would doctor strange do this like why would he be yeah why would he think this is a good idea at any point yeah which but, um, clearly proven to not be. And I hated all the... I really, really hated the MacGuffin over, like, the kind of the box, the MacGuffin over, I can press this at any point. Yeah. But they don't. I hated just... There was so much just, like, too much business going on when it needed to be a it little cleaner. Just streamline it, yeah, d- t- totally. It needed and even another like, rewrite or something just to kind of neaten it up. And even, like, just kind of, like... Ha- like I mean, Sandman was there... Because no one would know Doc Ock is dead if Sandman isn't there. You know, that's the whole point of him being there. He's got no other fucking reason. Like, so what does he do apart from that? Like, he he's kind of a nice guy and he kind of wants to just go home. And then he just gets angry and fights for some reason at the end. It's just, it's just silly. Like, um, Lizard's there. I don't know. Lizard didn't even get killed by, like, Peter Parker in, in the film. <laughs> Like it's it's not the same like pathos for Lizard at all. It's just because they have to put him in because you have to have like someone from the Garfield films, when and he was you might talking, as well and you might as well have Electro because he's Jamie Fox. So you, of course you're gonna cast Electro. When Lizard was talking, I was like, that doesn't sound like Riffians. <laughs> but then it was him at the end. I was thinking that sounds so bizarre. It but, sounded um, like really bad ADR. The kind of the yeah. Lizard voice. It was really weird. I I tell you what, I didn't like like. I was kind of thinking as well that that the whole Loki thing would have had a an impact on the multiverse in this, but it seems like it's everyone's got their own little multiverse problem yeah, that's does. not resulted from Loki's thing, yeah, which I, I thought was the main the main thing thrust of this <laughs> thing. Yeah. yeah, I thought same. Yeah, it's weird. They seem to be setting it up all like separately and like. The Doctor Strange one that's coming up is all about Wanda and not Loki stuff. So yeah, so I yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's just, and it's again, it's just. I think the only thing that the only thing this film does at the end is basically set up a kind of new starting point for for a new trilogy, which you know Tom Holland's going to do and everything else. That the only person that might not return is Zendaya, and the pro- because she doesn't need. Yeah, but she doesn't need these films. Like, she's done, like, four films this year and all of them have been successful. Like, she's huge. Like, the people next to me are talking about Andrew Garfield. They were popping for Zendaya more than anyone else. That was, you know, Zendaya was one of the reasons for them to come watch this. Um, If Marvel will get her back in the films, and they shouldn't, they shouldn't chicken out on that. The next film shouldn't have her in. It should be, like, Black Cat or something, you know, because that's what they're kind of setting up with this. But I just don't think they will do that, and it's a co- it's a cop out, you know. It's just like it's needless to do all this like like business, really. That just kind of feels like it's going to end up going nowhere. Very blue, <laughs> it's very sparkly, isn't it? 
<laughs> oh, I didn't notice that at all. What did you think of J.K. Simmons? A bit pointless. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't notice there was meant to be a huge time gap with that. I was moaning about that to someone else because I thought it was really funny that in the MCU, like, Infowars gets played on, like, the um, Times Square. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he does apparently seem to get, like, legitimised in it. And, I mean, I obviously Peter's going to go work for him in the next film. Like, that's obviously... Yeah, yeah, because he'll be the only people. He'll be the only person who will. Well, yeah, probably. Room yeah. at first with the green screen behind him, but it's like next yeah, like you know, giant attaching his phone to stuff, you know, social media stuff or something. But like, um, because it makes sense that he's the only person who would just hire like an un like undocumented person. I was thinking it like they've set that up kind of thing. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But, like um, his own little Twitch channel, whatever it's supposed to be, it's like. like not bedroom. funny <laughs> like not one point was he felt like jj uh to me do you think he'll like end up being a runner of... or something like that or a cameraman Just, to kind of because he won't get, be a like, photographer they did a will good he, but... funny joke about alex jones with it and he'll it be getting make footage kind of, of sense, but the like, kind of the point about jj is that like he's a nice guy like like deep down that's yeah. almost the point of him that he's like an honorable guy Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got his kind of morals and they're ultimately, like, good-hearted, you know, like, uh, even if he's, like, places them wrong. But I think to put him into... He needed the flat top. I don't think he could ever say, like, Alex Jones. He has his own morals, but at the heart, he just wants to be a good person. No, he doesn't. He's He's a grifter, like, and I think it's a bit weird just putting JJ as a grifter, I think. I don't know. I shouldn't be concerned about a minor character yeah. like JJ, but it's played weirdly to me. Like, it just played a bit odd. Yeah, in the first Spider-Man film, he doesn't give up that Peter Parker is the one that took the photos. Do you know what I mean? He kind of kept that to himself. Yeah, it is James Horner. it's so flat yeah no I agree I agree I'm trying to think if there's anything else to talk about I quite like the music Um, what's his name uh, just, Giacchino did a decent um, job and he kind of mimicked this, um, <laughs> this is Daniel a really dumb thing to say bit, I, I think uh, is it James like, Horner considering the target of this the first Amazing so Spider-Man and then Hans Zimmer did uh, with this. the like, second Amazing Spider-Man and there's, there's or, moments of where like Hans there's moments where you know the Spider-Men are talking and kind of the weirdness yeah, of them all having the these competing memories that match up so much so speaks lazy. to like kind it's of like something interesting dark stuff, about like, them as individuals whenever it's dialogue it's or just fate boring, in the universe and then whenever what it's the fuck you want to talk about like and they action, just, it's just instead they just kind of stuff that's put kind of memes in 
<laughs> like, and it's just then know. it's just so and quips in, and it's just like you could have been pushing for a little more with this. You've got like Andrew Garfield may win an Oscar this year. You know, he might be nominated for one, and you, Toby Maguire is. Yeah, you could do stuff. You could have put Kirsten Dunst in it. You could have maybe had something for Zendaya to do. Right. I think considering the story, they would. Well, yeah, true. Uh, this is the other thing I was going to say, actually, but let me just yeah. complete my thought because you just reminded me of something. But, like, I think considering what they were, story they were wanting to tell with Zendaya, with MJ in this, I think it's criminal that there isn't a scene in this when she's talking to, like, one of the other Spider Man's, like, partners. Like, about how difficult it is to love spider-man I'm, how difficult it is not, to be in the relationship I, I, how dangerous it is it the stuff that's been happened nice to them over the years what have one, you like, like just one that would have played really nicely back home and there's nothing like own, that in it because just to kind of see like, them in Dunst their, sell their toys, environment so, i mean i don't like, know what that's just what it feels like uh, we, have, we have to have like the lizard in it or something but do, like, and I think, um, I think that this is something other people have said. And I think it's a little hacky to moan about, but I think the, yeah, to I get think her, the fact their that inti- intimacy and like romance is so shitty in the Marvel universe, yeah. make means that the story they were telling is really hampered by its own kind of display of their relationship. They. They, I feel like I think of them as a couple because I know they're a couple, not because of what they actually do. They did do a Kirsten Dunst action figure from the first yeah. film. So when she's they wearing like, that red twice Chinese on screen, dress, as far as I can it was, tell, it was a terrible action like, figure. Yeah, this is like their first proper kiss, and it's shot really badly. <laughs> but um, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not because they. Well, yeah, because I but think like, they've I mean, only I'm been not, together. I'm not demanding that they're basically. Far from home, there's been jokes really. about. It. I'm not demanding that we have to see like and, them having sex or anything. And like it was like that. a but little peck would the first it be so one, bad if they were in bed together at some point? Kind of they're like incredibly attractive young people. Like, they would be tearing yeah, each other's clothes off all the time. Because when I got home, after seeing and that was kind of like it's so home. Exactly, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And it just annoyed me that film. It just, just uh, the moment they they're take play, a, it's like true. it's like whenever yeah, they do not, like they a, are actually not a playing twenty five, are they? <laughs> or a TV show. It's like, oh, let's go on holiday. Let's do the yeah. film on holiday. But they feel chased to me, and it that. feels like this kind but, um, of shitty kind of fear of like intimacy and fear of sex that you get into these chase films, and I think that makes yeah. them feel really fucking immature as exactly as yeah. characters, like really weird and not human. Uh, basically just makes them not feel human to me and i just think there's a there but is a you've way to remember to these are disney make films. these more romantic and i think and the very and fact that like, you had you know even though in real life they're Spider-Man 25 years old they're still playing but they're 16, much more romantic films than that, these that are meant are. to be like it's much more about them they're as meant a couple. to be like, quite chaste uh, you know what i mean so. was an absolute icon 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. kiss is so iconic, like in the first Spider-Man film, like and st- and like they even aped, you know, like there's a bit in Spider-Man Two when they're resting on the webs together. They ape this on the school roof and stuff. And I think by aping these much yeah. more superior, more romantic shots, has made me constantly think about how they fail to kind of get that romance over in this, and that's a failing of Marvel films, really, for me. It's so bad. Oh, sorry. That one's all right. <laughs> I thought it meant a different rooftop theme. Oh, yeah, they have swirling love themes and things like that. And, you know, like... Oh, yeah. yeah i mean he's got it memorized you know like that rooftop scene as well you know when they're all me all the spider-mans but um it was all right but the thing i found awkward was they all talk about what i mean marissa tomei is a wonderful actress with great power Um, and great responsibility so i I was hoping because andrew garfield martin sheen didn't say Um, that he kind but of said this really long They really nullified thing it that was, by what they did before. And I wish he was, like, he'd start saying that like It was meant to be this shocking quick event. And while they do and their little quick little stumble around, quite fine for a while. Because responsibility is still going with his, like, She's you know, dead. You do good things and good things. And, you know, I like... I don't know. It, I, <laughs> yeah, like I thought it was really a really effective scene. It made me cry. I think it's a shame because they've misused May What do you think about killing Marissa And then they've basically just fridged her. And my, Spider-Man never had a fridging of May. Like yeah, that's and it's. Do you know what I mean? Gorgeous and I think well. that's a choice. Um, not a good choice for me, if I'm honest. But it works in the film. I just don't think it's a great choice. But we'll see. It's like the best casting they've ever had for Aunt May, and I just think they've squandered. I knew it as soon as she got up, I was like, she's dead. Weird relationship with Happy. Why have you milked this? No reason. <laughs> that I didn't even. I honestly didn't even remember them being together when the film started. If they hadn't addressed it, I wouldn't have been like, what's going on with their relationship? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. It's very chase, yeah. Like ha- mm, holding hands is kind of like what people do. You know what I mean? <laughs> if that... I find it very weird. Yeah. Because it was a fling. Yeah, but all this is like... That's like Christian... No, and all this is like Christian kind of well, purity ring version of like families and relationships. Film, and I don't. It, you just it cut back to her really on the phone now and again, and she's me, hanging out basically. happily. That's it. They have lunch um, together. Like, like we were saying, it's very chaste. Even exactly, their relationship yeah. is kind People of fuck. Like, yes, you know. <laughs> it's just weird to have it so not a part well, of people's that, lives. Yeah. Like to be so just like Chase is but just really like weird to me. It feels really unreality to me. I mean, obviously they and have a kid at some point. It makes so, it feel you know, incredibly childish. Down to it and I know that's a like... silly thing to say because we're literally talking about Spider-Man. But you never, see, you never really saw them as a couple But properly. there is a level. <laughs> and it's not, 
adult doesn't mean dark and gritty and it doesn't yeah. mean like like full on sex it just means about maybe treating them more like humans I think hey at least, at least bruce wayne at. fucks in his films like weird weird random you know. <laughs> even superman did in Yeah. Yeah. Spider-Man. <laughs> it's... Oh, it's so good. It's like I'm, I'm part... Yeah. It's like I'm part of one of these film groups on facebook and then i was and this one person was like can't you guys just enjoy something for what it is and just kind of not have to pick it apart or whatever and i was like i'm yeah. not picking it apart yeah, I'm, yeah. these are genuine criticisms i have with this film i enjoyed it like very much so but like you know this it, it could have been handled and, and dealt with so I much i believe in, in a lot more chemistry between him and green and, um, <laughs> And like this. again the other day <laughs> Into the Spider-Verse was on telly sad, and I really? just I was thought, oh, I'll just watch five minutes of it I'll watch the whole film and I think because I want, for me a weird choice I wanted to kind of ask you about as well top about the kind of uh, Spider-Man like, I think it's, per- Spider-Man. it's perfect like um, style it's really weird you know, how it, you kind like, of get the impression they do do anything after their film like you know Miles Morales and I don't really get why that was the choice everybody in that film like why couldn't Maguire at one point say like regardless of whether or not they've been in other films or not I don't know I thought a bunch and of I think every moment in that like... film is earned whereas I don't think they're necessarily all earned in this film personally oh yeah totally yeah 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 there's a there, there is am... a point with Andrew Garfield because the Electro doesn't die in Amazing Spider-Man 2 so when Spider-Man, Spider-Man. No, he doesn't. Yeah, Spider-Man. And what Electro's talking about didn't happen on film. So that's clearly them that's clearly them suggesting something else has like well, gone on I between sh- them, something a bit darker. It's kind of funny the one they've put they they try no, and display I get as the darker well, it, like Spider Man. He's just incredibly goofy. It's clear they're still operating as Spider Man because you <laughs> like know, Andrew Garfield's like not I playing think, it in dark. Whereas they kind of suggest like he's I meant to be like the mirror to Peter's darkness. And right kind of, you know, or I stopped throwing my I started throwing my punches, didn't he? That's what he said. And, yeah. uh, so. <laughs> I thought he did. I, li- I loved his little shrug, like, yeah, three. <laughs> like, I just thought he was... Right. I hated that. It really annoyed me. It was kind of cute, but it was just like, oh, I remember he had back problems on that film. It just felt like that to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like how they they do like the whole you know. I'm I did number quite one like Spider-Man, it with, with him two, being I'm like, yeah, I'm older now, and it just right you know. But yeah, really, shouldn't Toby been number one? I just felt one. weird how like Andrew Garfield's number two. I just and felt then he's like, like he only ever had three adventures, anyway, and that was my OCD. It just sounds it. weird to me. Like they could have met. They could have mentioned. And then there was like I think Toby Maguire, you know, gave the impression they had a career of being Spider-Man. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure if I remember in <laughs> Spider-Verse, I think 
But they're going to just walk like in. Is that what happens? But it works for some reason <laughs> in that film because he like he looks like a schlubby guy. You know, yeah, sort of craven and stuff like that. Yeah, and like um, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. I didn't. I didn't quite like the visualization of the the multiverse characters coming into the the world. Yeah. Like, like I don't get it. Like it was like they were floating in the air. Like were they just gonna drop down into the ocean? I don't the, know. I yeah, because like you know, I, I noticed rhino I know, and stuff like that, and I was they like, just die as good people. Like... I don't get it. Like... And I think that could have been visualized better. I mean, I understand in terms of like trying to tell a story, it's a lot easier to show rips in the sky and he's. Well, I think it's just happenstance that visually that works better. It but... happens to Melina and I don't know. And like um, these characters are meant to have been pulled out. I don't because it doesn't moments they're actually apply to any of us. Which is the That's, dumb thing, because Sandman is, is very much not a villain. Film. So they're they're these they're pulled out at the moments just before they're about to. No, get he doesn't. He gets put in jail by Spider Man or in a fight with Spider Man. By making them good, how does that when they go back to whatever point they're at? How does that yeah, stop them? Not doing? But this is very clearly a Sandman from much and do, after Spider Man. And then 3 does that mean that spy, well. the two of the Spider Mans? Yeah, they they know each came other better because they they're going to die in their universe. He's I just a guy. I'm... He's not like Peter Parker's like friend from school or something. <laughs> it's yeah, that that's the thing that I shouldn't be so hung up on these details. But they 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 put so much. They put I'm so sure much the lizard... exposition in this film that you you listen to it I'm and sure go, lizard that dies. doesn't make but, sense. But, yeah, but so Sandman doesn't even die. He just goes the writing. Peter Parker, you know, he and then he got uh, Defoe nailing him. It. Just, that's just what made it work so much. Like, and it, the problem is with. William Defoe in this film is that it reminded me that he is so good as the like they've Green worked Goblin. together or something. Sam like Raimi them. was so good at casting yeah. these villains. That's another thing that made me th- thought about. There is a yeah. reason why. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe <laughs> Spider Man Three is fun. I'm not. I'm not, not going to bash it. Um, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. It was a sh- it was a shittier film, but it wasn't a really shit film. I think is Spider Man three. It. W- yeah. Hmm. Well, maybe not Topher Gray so much, but. Actually, I watched Spider-Man bit. three the other day, and I what had a good time watching it. So. Um, oh yeah, and it that aerial reminded fight scene me when I was watching. It, I couldn't stop thinking about this. Is a, uh, there's a reason Peter why Parker Norman and Harry Osborn, you know, the Green Goblin is yeah, he looks like a snowboard. There's a reason. But for the actual this. staging um, and the this shot is composition, what, and I'm watching and it on screen when they're miles beating the shit out of each other in the apartment when they're fighting on the statue when he's flying around the skies, you know, with bombs everywhere. There's a reason Norman is. Is like his Joker. Yeah, there was a lot of it's bad sh- and errors of judgment. We're not going to get it kind of like, because you know, storytelling. But to, I don't they, think that was Sam so, Raimi's fault. Defoe That's was so good. They had like to bring him in from another anyway. universe to prove to you that Norman Osborn is so fucking good. And it's a shame that yeah. we're not going to get Norman Osborn with this Spider-Man because, like, it's it, it's important for the character. You know, it's important, and 
and the faux nails it and I, I know it's a little bit of a shame same with Doc Ock they're not going to do Doc Ock now um, and that's a bit of a shame surely <laughs> well, I'm guessing they'll go Craven will be next, Black Cat, Scorpion. And I reckon no shock has been in it, hasn't he? Uh, well, I thought that was shocker. I don't know. Oh, Prowler, Miles Morales' uncle. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say one thing that I've totally forgotten now. Uh, I don't know. It's gone now. It's gone out of my head. It's gone. It's gone. Oh, yeah. I think he's... I don't want to be a cameo. Yeah, just it really nullified any excitement for me. It was really well, kind I think of if if Andrew Garfield had like a definitive villain that was like you're like wow this is this amazing villain, then I think you could probably get away with just having one of each of their villains or something as opposed mm. to. Having on, but I, I actually I like seeing Melina again. I have to admit, and I think that they did a good did job too. with the a de aging. I think he looked pretty good, and I think William yeah. Defoe was obviously de aged as well. I think it's just Defoe. He's <laughs> just Defoe. He's just not human. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I did like his uh his hoodie costume as well. Well, yeah, I'm glad they gave him the purple hood. Yeah, I think it really worked for him. Yeah. But like when he, when he, when he's introduced, it's again that like his costume gets a good reveal. Like you know when they put the the, <laughs> ma the broken mask on the floor and stuff like that. But like yeah, actual his reveal is just like a shitty close up, and I'm like wow. Oh yeah, on, I know because it um, he comes out the clouds and you get the bomb, and then it, the next time it's just a shitty close up in an alley, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, that's not dramatic. That's not like that's the that's your reveal. And I think it might be because I think sometimes they don't even know when the reveals are. I think the way these films are directed sometimes. I think I what they should have done was, okay, you see you see him on the glider throwing the pumpkin bombs. Next shot, you kind of do the the version of, you know when Spider-Man puts his costume in the bin and he's like yeah. walking away. 
you do you have the shot of the goblin costume in the bin. Yeah, him smashing and it him walking does. away like yeah. in the background without the costume on. Then the reveal is when he's in the like the cafe or whatever. Yeah, with, that's a with nice May. reveal. Yeah, you know. Again, like like I just said, they just messed up on a lot of those reveals. Like you know, with Toby, with Toby and Andrew, it, it could have just been handled so much better. But do you think they? But, um, I think they also chickened out because they didn't put the skeletons in. Because these pumpkin buttons in Raimi's oh, film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the disintegrating skeletons. Yeah. And this one, they just were explosions. I'm like, no, that's not his bombs. I've watched the film, Marvel. Like, <laughs> Why would they not show that? That's Probably be... Well, I think there's, there is one possibility. Which, uh, I don't, this is probably conspiracy theory talking. But you Go know on. how you're not allowed to show images of undead and bones in Chinese culture? Uh. Like, there's, a, there's a reason why wow... Um, has like a Chinese skin that means all the bones on the undead are all covered in like a kind of skin. Yeah, you're probably um, right. But then that's something they could have easily like changed for a I know. Chinese And it's probably just because Marvel have no guts. Like they were like, that's a little too not family friendly. You know, it's just a tweak towards not being family friendly. So we can't do it. I mean, we'll fucking fly a guider into a, like a 60 year old woman and kill her, but we won't do, put some skeletons on screen. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> compared to like Black Widow and Shang Chi, I think it's the the better of the three film. Well, I haven't seen Eternal, so I can't say. But of the three Marvel films either. I've seen this year, it's the better one. It's um, miles better than fucking Black that, Widow. That one episode of Loki <laughs> was amazing, though, with all the other Lokis. That is that's still one of my favorite Marvel moments ever. It's just one of those films where you you can see for some reason you can see so much where the problems lie. It doesn't yeah. mean it's not enjoyable. It doesn't mean I didn't have fun. I walked out going, I really enjoyed that. I wish I liked it more. And I could, I, and that that's always key for me having a rant, I think. like Yeah. Yeah, because you can see the where the potential is. And that's where the yeah. frustrating thing lie. Because, you know, and you can really it, see what they did right. And you just wish they kept on doing the right things more. Yeah. Give it a few more rewrites. Then it would have been good to go. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's just frustrating more than anything but, because, like I said, I don't want to. I, I'm shitting on this film, but I did enjoy it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's not unenjoyable, and I, it, yeah. I would be lying if I said it was really unenjoyable. But I think the first, the first third is really shitty, and that really put me on my back feet when I was sitting there going, "Oh my god, what are they doing with this timing? This isn't how films are timed. What's going on? Like, why is it? Why is it like this?" That's what I was going to say. Do you reckon um, Kingpin will end up being like a Spider-Man villain again? Maybe. Because like, I think, spoilers, he's he's in Hawkeye, isn't he? Yeah, he's in Hawkeye, yeah. And obviously Matt Murdock's in this, which is a shame. I'd, I'd love to have seen him in costume, at least in one scene or something. Yeah. Just because I look, Daredevil's a, one of my favourite Marvel It was characters. a nice enough cameo, but it was a bit annoying. It was just the placement of it was so annoying. They just needed to cut all that shit down more like yeah. it was they, they muted for some reason they were obsessively telling you this story about him being arrested and also wanted to mute it within five minutes because that wasn't the story <laughs> they were telling and yeah it's like it you was, can't do both like was, of those things it seemed like it was over straight away no it was complications no consequences after that. Yeah. yeah they said something about happy well your charges aren't going away and then there was a bit where peter found the stark technology in like the house 
And I thought, well, that's going to play into Happy's legal troubles. But not that I wanted to see the Happy legal drama. I just weird that they introduced these shit and that I, it wasn't anything. I'll tell you what else is confusing. So at the end, when Happy's chatting to Peter at the grave and he's like, oh, how do you know? And he goes, oh, I know him through Spider-Man. I knew her through Spider-Man. <laughs> I knew her through Spider-Man. How, how, does, does, he, <laughs> how does he know him through Spider-Man? He's, no, no. What? what I need to know, I need this in dialogue what he thinks May's relationship to Spider-Man was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like why? Why did this Why did this old lady live in Queens know Spider-Man so well that everyone's connection to her was Spider-Man? Like, did and, no one... I don't know. It made no sense to me. And am I to believe, through magic, any piece of footage or video of Peter being Spider-Man or whatever, that's changed? Like, yeah, it must magic? do. Yeah. I don't know why he couldn't have just said to Happy, I was her, her nephew. It's not like I know everyone's nephew in the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not like I'd go, well, I'd never met you before. It's like, well, yeah, I don't tend to meet nephews of people all the time. Was that after the MJ scene? Was it after yeah, that? Yeah, I think so. So maybe he's just trying MJ to distance scene. himself from everyone now. and just Which was, the MJ scene was one of the better scenes in the film, and that was actually kind of cute. I, I did yeah. like that. But, um... If they don't at least do one film without her, it's an absolute cop out, and I'll be mad at them. Are you sad to see Ned go? Kinda. Yeah. He was crap in this film, though. He was a proper well, third wheel in this film. They had nothing for him, and now he's suddenly magic. And well, that's the thing. They're gonna so Doctor Strange is gonna remember meeting this boy who can use magic, and he's like, <laughs> "Well, how do I know him?" Where do I know him from? Like, where do I know like, him from? Like, how does it change the scenarios in which they meet these people? Well, I mean, people? the whole point is about one more day is that it doesn't work. You can't do yeah. this. Like, but it feels weird to end a film on that. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's what pissed everyone off in the comics anyway, because everyone read the comic and went, well, when are MJ and Peter getting back together? And they Marvel didn't want to tell that story, and all the fans were going, yeah, but you've when are they getting back together? Because you've set this up. Like Would you you've think set this if, up, so when is it happening? So do you think if you were to do one more day in a film, you set you do that at the beginning of the film, and then by the end of the film, it all reverts yeah, back. So it's, it's kind of got, that, got to be, yeah, because it is you're setting up a star of a story, aren't you? You you're opening that story, and it's not a finish point. Yeah, not you've got to like, remember though, these films aren't they're not films anymore. Points. Yeah, they're I know. just. You know. <laughs> but like you know, the end of like um, it's a wonderful life isn't when everyone forgot him. Like, it's, <laughs> the whole point is the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, speaking of Christmas films, well, it's not really a Christmas film, is it? Should we should we get on to our main... That's a good transition as any, because yeah. they're both Christmas films that are not really Christmas films, <laughs> if, if I could, as far <laughs> yeah, as I could tell. That's a good point. So, we, I mean, we, 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 we're not right in the middle of our 1930s series. <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't even started. We haven't started it yet. <laughs> like, um, but since we kind of are in the kind of mode of we're covering 1930s films, we figured for our Christmas special we'd cover a 1930s Christmas movie. And the one that immediately stood out and basically Googling 1930s Christmas movie, I think that's how I got here, <laughs> was um, Babes in Toyland. So we're covering uh, 1934's Babes in Toyland. Here they come, call out the guard, break out the colors, 
summon the Marines, hasten the Royal Musicians, thousands upon thousands of musicians, strike up the band! Um, so like almost accidentally we've stumbled on this being a um, this is a Lauren Hardy film I think that's the yeah. only thing we, we have to like you have to mention this is a Lauren Hardy film and this is strongly a Lauren Hardy film like this is but what it's sold on you say that though but they're not at yeah. the beginning the first <laughs> half they're not in it much I don't think no you're right they're not the main characters the main character the main is characters. is Bo Peep and Tom Tom or Sam Tom Tom, or whatever yeah. you want to call him. 
who I, who I in my notes is written as Robin Hood phrases because I didn't know who he was. <laughs> well, yeah, he looks like Robin Hood or Peter he Pan. He looks like Robin Hood. Who's Tom Tom? At one point, I, I decided he's the Pied Piper, but I don't think he is. Because no, I thought he... it was very weird if he's the Pied Piper. Hang on, I'll find out. He is. Oh, it's so annoying when you look on... Um, you Google it because it comes up with the 1961 film, the band, yeah. the, the kind of the punk rock girl riot girl kind of band um the 80s film as well yeah Luciani. i watched a bit of that today and it's like Did you? well there's an uncut version of that and it's it's two and a half hours long where it's got drew Fuck. barrymore and um keanu reeves because <laughs> uh, it's a tv film that but that's what it's that exactly long. yeah so it's yeah. probably like split into parts or something it's uh we, i mean we should get into we should we should introduce the film properly <laughs> yes okay <laughs> but babes in toyland is the tagline for this film is an hour and a half of hilarious laughter. Do you do you agree, do you agree with that tagline, Ollie? Well, it's not an hour and a half for a start, so I definitely don't agree <laughs> with it. But uh, the plot the plot line for this movie is Ollie and Ollie D and Stanley Dumb try and borrow money from their employer, who is the toy maker, to pay off the mortgage on Mother Peep's shoe to keep it <laughs> and Little Bo Peep from the clutches of the evil Mister Barnaby. Yeah, that's the plot. Yeah. That's so, the plot of this insane fucking film. <laughs> so going from the MCU, which is like all these IPs coming together. Yeah. This is like yeah. this is like the first IP movie where this everything's is the come first to- IP movie ever. You're right. Yeah. So like it's an op- it was an operetta composed by Victor Herbert and I think Glenn McDonough did a compo- compos- whatever. Victor Herbert is quite a distinguished career. This is probably one of his most famous like um uh, operettas. A uh, lot of the music in this is actually quite a famous outside of this, um, though. I though it's not really in this film. I think there's only like three film, three or four songs and in the, the film actually the from plot, the operetta. The plot is very different. The plot is like, so different. It's insanity. Like the I operetta think it's is about, so complicated. So I think the original one. It's a bit more like you know Lemony Snicket's, where it's like two orphans go to live with this kind of creepy old man kind of thing. Yeah. You know, the, so basically, you got you got two orphans, Alan and Jane, who are yeah. the wards of Uncle Barnaby, and he's trying to kill them to steal their inheritance. So it is like, basically like yeah, yeah. And when when they escape, they end up in Toyland, basically, where they meet the Widow Piper and they meet Con- Contra- Contrary Mary is a big part of the original plot um and they're trying to save him from barnaby and there's all sorts of stuff like they end up in a spider's web and stuff like that and then that's only the first act and the second act is they introduce the um the master toy maker who's an evil genius who who has plotted with barnaby to create evil evil toys that kill and maim people (laughs) and uh (laughs) the toys eventually like turn on them and then kill them at the end of the play basically and at the end, Mary and Tom Tom get married. Um, I think. I think that's it. Tom but, yeah, Tom is Tom Tom the Piper's son. Oh, I heard him being called a piper, and I thought he was a pie piper. And in my no. notes, I literally put Bo Peep. You can't marry the pie piper. You can't marry the <laughs> child thief. That you can't do that. That's bad. <laughs> so yeah, this is completely that that like that is completely different, and it was. St- 
stupidly popular this it was like like so it was 1903 i think or something like this is put together it was uh, on the back of they did the wizard of oz musical before this and they basically decided to do a big christmas themed musical extravaganza using all characters from nursery rhymes um and this they ended up with this uh, <laughs> and it was huge um but like it spawned countless if you already said countless reproductions countless countless like remakes and well, this there was a 1960s one, wasn't there? That was um, was that Disney? That's a proper Disney one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a Bianca Vista, yeah. And I think you know that utilizes like kind of miniature, kind of like they shrink characters down and stuff like that. And, yeah, know, yeah. Um, then there was, um, I think there was a few TV specials in the 70s and 60s, and then there was like a, an animated version as well. There was a. The, like we said, there was the other the eighties TV one with Drew Barrymore, where she's like a yeah. young kid that kind of gets in a car accident and ends up in the kind of the toy. Who's that? How that one starts? Yeah, <laughs> it looks really bad though. I watched a little bit of it today, and I was like thinking, oh, don't think I could stomach this one. It looks kind of like uh, Saved by the Bell, kind of. Okay. Like that kind of TV stuff, but with they all drive around in like toy cars and things like that, and it looks right. a bit fairgroundy, kind of. Whereas, okay. Whereas this, the what the film we watched today was a bit more like Wizard of Ozzy kind of locale kind of thing, and I kind of got a bit of a um, Nightmare Before Christmas kind of vibe of the, yes. the town square and things like that. I was going to say that I think it's ma- I think there's massive influences to Nightmare Before Christmas in the way yeah. they set this all up. Um, this is the such a weird film as we're trying to say like it's instead of being kind of about the operetta instead of being about like kind of contrary mary and like tom tom and these orphans and stuff like that um it's about it just has lauren hardy stuffed in it basically (laughs) to kind of get people into the cinema to watch this i think that's probably the best way you can describe it um, they took an incredibly popular kind of stage play and they took two incredibly popular like um, comedians, just mashed them together to get people to come in and see it, which we moan about IP filmmaking nowadays, but this is definitely what they're doing in the kind of 1930s. Oh, yeah. Um, it's and but like, as you say, it's not it doesn't. How much of like Lauren Hardy do you know? How much do you know about them or how much like have um, you seen? I've definitely seen a fair few of them. I think just growing up, you cannot not have seen any. Do you know what I mean? They were used to yeah. like on Channel Four, and my dad's got the full complete box set. And I know at uni when we did like um, film, like even though we did animation, we actually had like you know film classes and stuff like that. And we definitely watched a few, few then. But like honestly, I could not narrow one down and tell you specifically no. which one i've seen i've definitely you know i know the style of humor you know the one's a bit more dumb the one's a bit more yeah. bossy one's and a, you know yeah one's kind of high status bully and the one's, other one's kind yeah, of one's low a, status dumb kind of it's thing, like that, isn't it? so yeah. that sketch of um john cleese and uh the two ronnies and stuff like that yes <laughs> i look down <laughs> on him and he looks up at me but like the, the like i think you know laurel is it? Which I get them confused. So, yeah, sorry. Oliver Hardy. Hardy's the big dude, isn't he? Hardy's the big guy. Hardy's yeah. kind of thinks he's a genius and thinks yeah. he knows everything, um, but he's really dumb. And Laurel does thinks he knows nothing, but he's actually kind of sweethearted and kind of intelligent. It's yeah. kind of that, isn't it, really? Um, which has been replicated a thousand times. Like In, in reality, Laurel was the kind of uh, the force behind the kind of duo. 
like he was an incredibly thoughtful writer um thoughtful performer probably too much if they've ever been depicted kind of as the as their real selves it always kind of set shows of stan laurel being much more like uh maybe too thoughtful and maybe too kind of introspective into his own head and and whereas hardy oliver hardy got on with it kind of stuff which um almost i think speaks to them on screen a little bit mm-hmm. but i'm i'm i have to hold i am no expert in these two um at all like it was this is one of the first times i've ever seen them in like a full like i've seen like lucky dog um the the first one they ever did together which they're not even really in together but um and i've seen one of the other ones that i can't even remember the name of it's gone out of my head now uh one of the more famous you, ones but makes you wonder how they met because obviously one's a brit and one's an american like i assume some sort well, of vaudevillian kind of I can tell you. Stay gone then. It's all, so I was going to introduce him. It's all to do with Mr. Hal Roach, um, who from the Hal Roach um, film studio. So one of the biggest kind of like comedy producers at the time. He he was um, in the in the kind of twenties and thirties. He was basically always looking for the next big comedy hit. Uh, I'd say Hal Roach produced almost every Lovell and Hardy film, including this one. Um, the directors for this film as well did a lot of their kind of films. So it's that kind of in-house kind of studio production of just pumping these things out, really. Well, I, I, know, basically, that, I know that Charles Rogers, who was one of the directors, yeah. he's a Brummie, actually. Oh, is he? Cool. And I don't think he was a director by trade. He was like an actor, but kind of yeah. was part of their pussy party crew and, um, huh. and uh, kind of got into directing some of their films. The other director, Gus Mainz, he was a yeah. German director, and um yeah he was i think he was had uh, some claims of like child sex offenses against Jesus. him and he committed suicide <laughs> he, he like Fuck. literally a couple of years after this film wow but, yeah anyway they were both um quite established stage performers before this and um in like uh, two reelers and silent films and stuff like that like laurel had been in over 50 features and hardy was in over like 250 or something L- always kind of both of them were like background stooges most of hardy's roles were like the the tough you know the dumb tough and stuff like that in these silent movies and things and basically both of them were in this kind of little short called the lucky dog from 1921 which was how roach um they they're not actually in it as a duo uh but he saw something in them and got them to film something together in 1926 and then signed them to his contract, basically. He just put them together as, like, kind of matchmaking. You two are going to work together. I can see you two working together. You're now a team. Um, and then started writing stuff for them to, to do together in the kind of... It, getting kind of almost stand to kind of push that character stuff, like defining their own character, defining who they are. Um, which ended up making them a huge career. I mean, they were still performing in the fifties on stage. Yeah, uh, I think. Well, that's really... what the, that's what the film's about, isn't it? Mainly, it the, is. Yeah, uh, the the more recent one with who is it? Um, Alan Steve Partridge, Keegan, and, isn't it? Yeah, and um, usually the guy. It's the one who's in all the Step Brothers guy. What's his name? Boogie Nights. <laughs> yeah, you just, I would have told you, and you've just got it out of my head. What's his fucking name again? Yeah, tell me. Uh, Cyrus is another film. He's <laughs> John C. Riley. John C. Riley. There we go. Yeah. It's really good casting. It's an alright film, actually. 
it's good. Yeah, no, I've it's seen good. the film. Yeah, it's, it's it's good. It's definitely enjoyable to watch with the parents. I but think it's just one, one of those stereotypical <laughs> biopic kind of films, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, you know. But I think like um, I think what's really key to Lauren Hardy and actually what separates them and puts them apart uh, is the fact that they were silent movie stars. They weren't hugely successful at silent movie stars. They just were silent movie stars. But they actually managed to transition to sound in a way that silent movie stars couldn't. So, right. like, like both Charlie Chaplin, people like that, um, Howard Lloyd and uh, other guys that we'll cover on this podcast <laughs> eventually, they, they suffered from moving into talkies because they... It was, you know, they were... Their spoken voices were often considered like inadequate and weird for like for talkies movies, uh, because the sound, the way you started cutting films together, it meant the way of they them telling stories with their kind of body language, changed, and it changed the craft somewhat. And for whatever reason, actually, Lauren Hardy succeeded. Where you know they actually got better when sound was introduced. It was almost like a medium they required, um, because they started inventing like and using not inventing, but they started using on-screen catchphrases in the same way for video and people on stage would, mm-hmm. because that was their craft. They were like on-stage performance. You know, they're going to music halls and perform duos, and not really silent movie stars in the same way like Buster Keaton was. And I think they managed to progress that kind of stage vaudevillian act into into kind of talkies, into comedy films. I mean, they even have like they actually have a one of their sound, one of their sorry talkie movies is called um, Unaccustomed as We Are, and it's actually about uh, it's joking on how um, people can't transition into talkie films, and that's like 1929. So like they're they're already spoofing like self-conscious kind of <laughs> like talking like so- silent movie actors being unable to do well, could, what they well, do. I can imagine like once you, I can imagine one of the first things you'd think about when you're doing it, your first talking movie is like going, you make a film that's silent going into talking. Do you know what I mean? So you're almost yeah. making commentary on it that way already. I can imagine that's like what a thing that someone has done or something. Like I can that. imagine. I yeah. But yeah, it's like, like going from it. black and white to colour, you know, in some, you know, like in Wizard of Oz or I don't know. Yeah, no, same thing. So, totally. And, and commenting on it, it's not like it was people understood the jokes, you know, people understood mm-hmm. like the change in like the culture in a way. I think we always probably forget people were very into it. You know, they understood all the jokes at the time. Sons of the Desert is the one I wanted to say the only other one I've seen, which is right. often people say it's their best film. Well, I know that I but, can, I can, I know the imagery, like you can picture the pictures of the, like the screenshots of them from that yeah. film. Yeah, that's the ones they probably show. Yeah, but yeah. apart from that, I, I have to say I don't know much about them. I can't like claim to be some massive scholar on um on Lauren Hardy. I just it's just one of the black blind spots I've always had. So when you know we accidentally stumbled on this, I was like, yeah, I'll be interested. In, actually kind of watching it and actually kind of looking looking at these two like honestly icons like i i knew who these people were when i was like i felt like when i was five years old i knew who they were because they're people who are like in like you know cartoons but it's like their face you could just have their face is so like grind like you know um you know uh stan laurel's face you know that kind of like straight mouth that he pulls and yeah 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 you know the little hitler mustache of and the top yeah. hat of and the little chubby face of you know they are like like you said they're like cartoon characters aren't they that come to life they're absolutely just as a silhouette you know who they are and yeah. like um another fine mess you've gotten us into i think 
the actual line is another nice mess you've gotten us into, I think is the actual catchphrase, but it's always missaid. Um, well, they kind of say it in this, I think, but it's a bit different. They do. Yeah, yeah. they do. Yeah, yeah. They'd use it in this. They use another one of their catchphrases that I've got written down in my notes somewhere. Um, but yeah, like that's totally just, that's what people went to go see Low and Hardy films for. They, they, you know, like they wanted them to come and do their catchphrase and, and find their catchphrases and stuff. And, you know, they wanted, they wanted, there's a bit with the water when he keeps getting knocked in. That's classic, like Lauren and Hardy stuff of, oh, yeah, yeah. of Hardy almost being drowned, you know, and, <laughs> and Laurel just kind of helplessly being by, but it's kind of being his fault as well. And then like, um, weirdly enough, apparently Doe, you know, Dolt, like from the Simpsons, apparently that was a Lauren Hardy thing. And apparently that's where it came from. Oh, really? That's, that's a Wikipedia <laughs> fact. So I'm not sure. Right. <laughs> but that is apparently. I'm like, going to take it, it as fact. Yeah, I think Wikipedia's always right, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's an odd little little thing. And like we should point out, like, it's not especially very Christmassy. <laughs> Christmas no, just <laughs> you So part of the plot is that Santa comes to Toyland because he gets his toys from the toy maker and the toy factory or whatever. And, Who's not uh, evil in this, like the stage play, but he's a like he's a dick. He's, he's grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> in the um, in the Keanu Reeves version, he's played by uh, the actor who plays, um, you know, the Chinese guy from uh, Gremlins, you know, who owns the Mogwai. Oh yeah, it's played by that guy. I think I think it's him. <laughs> I like how today you're just throwing me not names but <laughs> like faces. <laughs> Let me have a look because I'm trying. I get confused if he's the same guy that's Egg Shen in. Um, no, I don't think it's Action. That's a different actor. Let me have a quick look. Cast. Give me the cast. What's his name? Mr. Wing. I'm going to find this. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Well, it's not him by the looks of things, but it's very similar. He was also in a film called A Fine Mess, that guy. Oh. Ken Luke but um, okay. I don't think it is him I could be wrong anyway anyway continue continue what we're we talking about yeah it's not really very Christmassy um, Santa is in it he gets knocked on his ass um, by Laurel I think it is and Laurel's like There's, yeah we'll get to the plot <laughs> but like um <laughs> But like it's not especially Christmassy, but it's one of those films that apparently, even though it was popular at the box office, it actually kind of was a flop when it came out. It actually lost money, I think, because it was quite expensive to make. Um, and what they actually did, what how um, what uh, uh, how uh, Roach actually did was started re-releasing it under different titles, so people would think they're going to go see a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> they would end up watching this, which is so fucking wonderful. Like, um, but it basically ends up being bought by TV channels as the March of the Wooden Soldiers. Hang on, uh, hang on. This just in, this just in. <laughs> it was Mr. Miyagi, Pat Morita, who played... It's Pat Morita, okay. Toy, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we got there. Sorry, continue. <laughs> yeah, so um, this ends up getting bought by, like kind of hallmark and and tv channels as like uh march of the wooden soldiers 
which um, a lot of people know it under that name instead, where um, it just gets played under local affiliates, like every single kind of, like ha- um, every single kind of Thanksgiving, every single Christmas. Um, Is especially... it somewhere it's called Lauren Hardy in Toyland? Revenge is sweet. Apparently, that's another yeah. title. <laughs> like, yeah, apparently. <laughs> they just started releasing on different titles to fool people into thinking it's a new story uh, to make his money back. Um, and apparently, like especially when the 1961 Disney remake was coming out, the TV channels really pushed replaying this before it, so people were watching this at home. And then go into the cinema to watch like the new one. That was a big kind of like you know, cultural event for people at the time. And because of this kind of continuous just pushing on TV channels, it just became a holiday staple, like more than anything else. And it's why it's so intrinsically linked into it being like a Christmas movie, even though it's not especially Christmassy. I think apparently the stage show is more Christmassy, but um, okay. it's uh, it just. Yeah, it just became kind of lodged in this idea of being a Christmas movie, which to me, like as soon as I saw Toys and uh, Babes in Toyland, I was like, oh, that's a Christmas movie without knowing anything about it. I didn't know a single thing about it apart from I know that that title's a Christmas movie. And quite funny, you can watch it for free on YouTube, by the way. Oh, yeah, um, both versions. the color. Well, actually, no, versions, all yeah. versions are on there. The colorized <laughs> yeah. version, the black and white version, the animated film, the Keanu Reeves version, but not the Disney version. <laughs> No, it's probably, it's probably so you take your pick Disney Plus. Um, but like the comments, like are just kind of like they they sound just like sixty year old people just going on about how they watch this every year. It's like every comment is like I've watched this every year since like nineteen sixty one, and like every this is the best Christmas movie, and like I love this. My family watch this all the time. It's one of my favorites, and this is a classic movie that I remember at Christmas and things. I have There's to say. Funny, as it go, oh, got on, I enjoyed it more and more. I, I get, say. yeah, I agree. I, I really do agree. My favourite comment, by the way, on YouTube, which is from three weeks ago. Okay, is, very recent. Let's hope this Generation X doesn't ruin this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I do not, do not know <laughs> what, they, what their issue is. I don't know what Generation Gen X are doing. X, I, hope, <laughs> yeah. I hope these forty-five-year-old people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna ruin babes in Toyland for my childhood. <laughs> anyway, that's that's my dive down YouTube lane. Apparently, <laughs> should we get to the plot? Yeah, sure. So, because it's like I think it's it's best to talk about the way it goes through because this movie's demented. Like it kind of sets itself up as being a musical, but it's not really because it's only got like two. Maybe three songs. I think it's got maybe. four songs in it. Yeah, um, so not many. And, and then Laurel and Hardy they're, they're proper, are not in like, any of, <laughs> involved in any of those no. sequences whatsoever. Not even in the background. It's so or weird when it cut to like like the the main plot. Because I was just like, oh yeah, it's not Laurel and Hardy film. <laughs> it's like they started making a film and thought, ah, oh, let's put Laurel and Hardy in it. Let's put Laurel and Hardy in it. Yeah, because it's kind of lacking energy. So um. Oh my god, this this film is a nightmare. Honestly, it's a nightmare. This film is a nightmare world, and the music is so melancholic, which I just <laughs> find really weird. Toilet. Yeah, the, it does. It opens with, it opens with Mother Goose. <laughs> well, no, it up. opens with a uh, woman singing on a table stand, like opening a big book. 
Yeah, that's again, Mother Goose. Doesn't she oh, Mother is that Goose Mother Goose? Well, Mother Goose comes out of the book. Oh, is it? Is it her? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mother Goose comes out of the book <laughs> to tell sings you. Sings a song. <laughs> sings a song to you. It makes me laugh because she goes on about how she's so old that she's seen all the stories before and she's so clearly like a 20-year-old woman. <laughs> So I looked it up and she was 27 when they shot this. Right. And I don't know why that made that. I was just, for some reason, that lodged in my brain. Um, but yeah, she comes up with a storybook and tells you that there are all these fairy tales that exist in the world and we're going to tell you about them. And they basically introduce you to the idea of Toyland, where it's a place where all the kind of fairy tale characters live. So like, I was trying to do like a kind of, I was trying to wrap them up to try and find who I could see. So there's definitely Bo Peep. She's the main character. Um, there's Little Miss Moffat. Yeah. I saw her with the spider. They talk about uh, Jack and Jill. I don't know if you see him in it. Yeah, Jack and Jill come up. Yeah, Jack Do and they Jill come, come up. I yeah, think in they're... one of the animated versions, Jack and Jill are the kids that are orphaned. Ah. So, in this one, it's when they're looking for their Bo Peep's, Bo Peep's sheep. lost sheep. And yeah. Jack and Jill come up and they go, when you're on your trips around the That's hill, it, have yeah, you yeah, seen yeah. the sheep? Yeah, And they go, no, we haven't. We just fell down or something like that. Well, obviously, um, Stan and Ollie are Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Tweedledee and Tweedledum. There's Little Boy Blue. Yeah. Um, there's Mickey Mouse. There's, I was. You are blowing the lead. <laughs> to throwing that right now. We are. We're putting a pin in Mickey Mouse. All right. Back sorry. To this. <laughs> there's Little Boy Blue, Tom Tucker, uh, Little Jack Horner sat in the corner. Um. Uh, oh, there's all the, the, f- the three pigs the three pigs uh, Simple Simon Mary Quite Contrary Red Riding Hood um, baby, baby in a Cradle I wrote down because I don't know what that baby's called Queen of Hearts the Queen of Hearts yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, the King King of Sink the King's in it is that Old King Cole I think it's Old King Cole yeah yeah Old King Cole and Santa the Santa. Santa as well Oh yeah! Also, uh, one of the pigs have got names. Oh yeah, the pigs do have names. One is called Johnson. Oh no! One is called <laughs> no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. One's called oh, Jigs. Not. Jigs the pug. Jigs the pig. Okay. The other's called Willie the pig, and the other is called Elmer the pig. And wasn't the name of the little symbiote called Elmer? Elmer, yeah. <laughs> in, My good um, friend Elmer. Brain damage. <laughs> brain and damage. to be honest, the song that he sings in that song <laughs> sounds like something out of this film. It does. <laughs> the music in this is so slow and, like, I don't want to say it's unmusical. It's just a certain type of musicality from the era. But it's just, it's so, like, hypnotisingly rhythmic that it just yeah. sounds kind of depressing. Well, it's like, you know, the songs that are in uh, Night of the Hunter that he kind of s- <laughs> like sings as he's, like, <laughs> driving along and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it is. Shit. Yeah. It's just, like, suicidal music. And to top it up, there is Mickey the fucking mouse in this film. <laughs> and it's fucking worst thing it's ever a been in a movie. <laughs> with a thing stapled onto his head. And if you watch the colourised version, <laughs> he actually is Mickey the Mouse. His his little shorts yeah, the, are red, it's got yellow yeah. buttons on, and he's got like a little big white eyes and <laughs> it's weird. It's so it's, clearly a chimp. And, like, the chimp's just being a chimp and running around and they just fucking tied this mouse costume to it. And it's nightmare imagery. Yeah, the but later on eyes the f- on this thing. But later on, he is riding a little blimp. <laughs> yeah, later on, spoilers, he's bombing people from a, bl- from a blimp. 
But in the colorized version, they obviously haven't figured out how to do it properly because it's. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure the actual process of digitally colorizing these things. I'm. I'm assuming it like picks up a certain shade or tone of whatever the gray okay. scale is, and it kind of applies a color to it. Yeah. But because there's, the because those shots are like matted and stuff, the backgrounds are in color, but the but Mickey Mouse was black and white, oh. and it like. But anyway, apparently it's not the only time it's been it's been colorized a few times. Okay. But yeah, anyway, I, weirdly, the I pigs. Guess I can understand why they would colorize it. I guess it didn't look terrible. No, but I think you're trying to get to kids, aren't they? So they figured yeah. It's not it's a not, kids' film. This film is not a kids' film. Warning. It's not like when they tried to colorize Night of the Living Dead and stuff like that. It's like taking it, like ruining it, like taking out <laughs> what's, you know what's special about it. But um, the pigs, I thought the pigs were the most oh, disconcerting no. thing. They looked horrific. So like nightmare. It's like you know in Batman, Professor Pig when he like yes he melts like pig faces onto people's yeah. faces. That's what I had in my head every time I saw them. I was like, ah, these are little people just screaming around with burnt pig faces, like just, just plastered onto their face. There's there's a bit in this when you've got like the monkey running around and it's jumping over these nightmarish huge jack in the boxes that are just like looming over the town. <laughs> and then there's some like creepy clowns that come out of the house and then these fucking like melted pig face like people. <laughs> And it's just like, what is, what is this? How is, what, who is this for? Oh, it's shocking. And then it only gets worse when it introduces you to the plot. The plot of this film is fucking demented. Like, <laughs> it, it opens up. <laughs> it opens up with... Oh, we Barnaby. didn't mention how creepy the cat and the fiddle look, though. Yeah, that's another creep. That's a man in a, sewn in a cat suit, oh, isn't he? And he's horrible. fighting with Mickey the Mouse. <sighs> So like, uh, this film opens. I, I don't even know how to start. This, the, the, uh, if I read from Wikipedia, the mortgage on the shoe is owned by the villainous Mr. Barnaby. <laughs> so Mr. Barnaby, he's not from he's any. He's like a new creation for this story. He's not yeah. like from from like a, there is, a, a, a nursery rhyme or a, a story or anything. No, there is not a nursery rhyme about the lecherous. <laughs> mortgage broker <laughs> no but i didn't know if it, you know like a rapunzel kind of thing if he was like you know who's the little right <laughs> no he's he's entirely new for this or sleeping beauty like Rapun- oh, what's the little guy in hang on who's the guy who threads rumpelstiltskin like you know that kind of thing yeah he could have been rumpelstiltskin that could have exactly but he isn't he's silas barnaby who i have to say Welcome back to the show. Did you realise this? No. So Silas Barnaby is playing by Henry Brandon, who plays Scar in a uh, in um Searchers. Oh wow! So <laughs> welcome back. Oh, to no. the no. <laughs> I would not have put those two together as the same person no. whatsoever. He also Weird. um had an incredibly long relationship with an actor called Mark Heron, which I stumbled upon today when I was looking at facts for this film. Oh okay. So that's like incredibly open, long relationship, well documented, which is a bit weird. But um, Mr. Barnaby is a clear fucking predator. Like he is, he propositions little Bo Peep as soon as he can see her. Um, I actually just wrote in my notes, what nursery rhyme is he from? (laughs) So he just harasses Bo Peep at work and comments on her being a virgin and how attractive that is to him. 
And when she refuses his advances, he threatens her with violence. Um, Bo Peep kind of like girl bosses him and like punches him <laughs> and then runs off. And so he he kind of combats that with threatening to kick out her mom from the shoe because he owns who's, the mortgage on it. Who's Mother Goose? Who's No, no, that's not no. Mother Goose. It's the Widow Peep. Is the Widow name. Peep. But yeah, then the widow. So Tweedledum and Tweedledee, do they they just live there? They're not. That's not their mother. Or is no, it, they're just they're just lodgers. Just lodgers in the sh- in, in, in the, the shoe. shoe. Yeah. Okay. From the crooked man. Oh. No, no. There was an old woman who lived in the shoe. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. I've just found out. Literally, Mister Barnaby is from There Was a Crooked Man. Oh, so that's him. Okay, yeah. got you. Okay, got you. There was a crooked man, and he went. He went to crooked smile. He found a crooked sixpence against a crooked style. He bought a crooked cat who caught a crooked mouse, and they all lived together in a little crooked house. Apparently, that's Barnaby. All right. He does have a little crooked kind of walking stick, doesn't he? He does. He so does. It could be him. But yeah. Anyway, so we find out then that he's like he wants his rent for the house, I guess, or the mortgage paid off. <laughs> yeah, he's. He says that um, Widow Peep is overdue on a mortgage, mortgage and if she doesn't pay it off today, he's going to kick her out of the house yeah. unless he lets him marry Bo Peep. Either they pay it or marries Bo Peep, yeah. Yeah, because this, that is, uh, I, I can't believe that's the plot to this film. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> but then, so just... but Stan and Ollie come down the stairs and, yeah. uh, you know, Ollie says, do, you know, do, do, do. Is it Ollie? Yeah. Ollie said, you know, we're going to, you know, I'll pay for it, you know, using my money. I've got some money and I'll borrow some money from the, the toy, you know, the master toy maker. Yeah. Because me and him are like Because we're like this, yeah. That's just the repeated joke. <laughs> um, but then he finds out that he hasn't got any money left. It's an IOU from, from Stan Laurel. Oh, Stan. And, and he's been using it to, I don't know, was he been gambling or what? Like, I don't know. It does suggest he's been gambling, doesn't it? Yeah. Because he's got this little game with the stone or something. He hits it. Yeah, he called it a peep, doesn't he? He whacks yeah, a little peep. The, the end of it and then he can, like, baseball hit it and it, fl- I don't know, it flies around. I don't know. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> it's a very big set piece when when uh, uh, Ollie Oliver is trying Hardy. to do it. Yeah, and he can't, and, he can't uh, even hit it once. He can't even get it off the ground. He's yeah. that, that much of a buffoon. But then Stan does it, and who does he hit when he hits the Who ball? does he hit? Ah, oh, the crooked man. The crooked man. <laughs> and so, hang on. What happens then, then? I can't remember now. Uh, they get to. Could... They finally get to work. Oh, that's right. And yeah. they, uh, they get yelled at for being late. <laughs> I've just written in my notes, Toyland is not a nice place. <laughs> so, so he um he Where tries was to ask... big ears during all of this. I'm sure I they know. Could. <sighs> could have helped out with his little car and his mushroom exactly, house. Yeah. So he, he goes to Toy Mask Master and Toy Maker and asks for money and the toy maker yells at him because he's so useless that why would he lend him money? Um at that point, Stan accidentally lets go of a toy car and it knocks a pot of paint over the toy maker and it just makes him even more mad. <laughs> they so, get fired. They get fired. Uh, they don't get fired at that point. They get Because then Santa comes to the workshop, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, that's it, yeah. Because Santa's come to pick up his toys. But instead In of making... 
In July. Yeah, yeah, in July. I guess he's just checking on the progress. Yeah. But he says that he ordered, um, is it 106-inch toy soldiers? And he creates him 600, 100-inch toy soldiers or something. No, it's the, op- I think it's the opposite, I think. Is something like that? It's something like, it, he, Yeah, he's Stan's messed up because you know Stan. He's always messing up. <laughs> He um, he's accidentally makes tons of like life-size toy soldiers instead of tons of tiny ones. And uh, oh, here you go. It's he builds a hundred wooden soldiers at six feet tall instead of six hundred soldiers at one foot tall. There we go. I know it was something that had numbers in it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, and it's really kind. Of, if you've seen like Santa Claus Two, the Santa Claus Two, like it's they look like the kind of soldiers in that. Um, okay, so, so obviously clearly like, based on based on this, yeah. And if you ever, apparently, if you ever go to like Disney World and stuff, they part of like the kind of marches they do always have like marching toy soldiers in it, and that's all from from this. Apparently, all that kind of Christmas imagery is from this. Like weird because uh, it's an MGM film, isn't it? Yeah, but they Disney remade it, don't they? Yeah, it's Disney the apparently Disney were going to do it as an animated film, one of their early animated films as well. But oh, really? it ended up being live action. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and when they accidentally activate the uh, they accidentally activate the soldiers, and they kind of trash the toy shop, and that's when they get fired by the by the mean old toy maker. <laughs> you know, that's who makes toys in Toyland, the mean old toy maker. And then, so at this point, oh no, then doesn't Bo Peep then Tom 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 proposes to her? Yeah, Tom Tom proposes to her, and. Yeah. And locks it in the stocks until she agrees. <laughs> but she has lost a sheep at this point as well, and he helps. She has lost a sheep, and he does yeah. help them find the sheep. Um, uh, but... See, that's why I was wondering: is that where Tom Tom comes up comes from? Because because Tom Tom helps you where you're going. It helps you find things. I don't know. I, sure. Yes, <laughs> that's definitely right. <laughs> at this point in my notes, I've just written, "What the fuck is with that mouse?" So I don't know what no, was going on. It was a night- nightmare fuel, that mouse was. <laughs> Jesus. Was insane. Uh, so, they, so they're still kind of worrying about the money. So they, they come up with a plot to, get to go to um, Mr. Barnaby's house and steal the deeds for the house, steal the mortgage deeds. Uh, so they do it in form of a Trojan present. So they put, <laughs> they put Ollie into the present... And then they go up to Mr. Barnaby's house and give him the and say like, "Here's a Christmas present for you, but you can't open it until Christmas." And Barnaby brings it into his house and immediately opens it. Well, no, no. As soon as before he before like they leave, Stan goes, "Good night, Ollie." And then Ollie goes, "Good night, Stan." So he he knows like straight away something's in the box because these two are just buffoons, buffoons, and. For that, they get um, <laughs> they get arrested on a burglary charge and sentenced to ducking in the ducking stall <laughs> and a banishment to Bogeyland. Yeah. For um, burglary, like Toyland doesn't mess around. I know it does. It does not. <laughs> it doesn't. It's harsh rule. Uh, and um, they later reveal that like a banishment to Bogeyland is is a death sentence because the bogeymen eat you. So that's like that's a lot for burglary. That's a lot of a, that's a big punishment for burglary. 
but well, they, they um, weren't stealing anything either. But I guess like being a crooked man, you know, he's not going to get nah, the truth, is he? Crooked lane. Um. So he says he'll drop the charges if Bo Pete will marry him, and she agrees. But uh, Ollie gets dunked anyway. When that seems quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's just him going blah 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 blah. Yeah. And he's he gives a wa- blah, 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 blah. Well, he gives his watch to uh, Stan, who ends up in the war anyway with the watch. Yep. Hilarious. It's good. Good stuff. I like that stuff. Um, I like how long it went on for. That's some yeah. reason that worked for me. That it just kept on going back and back and forth. Like, and he kept on getting dunked again. Uh, I like the bit when he gets dunked and he comes out and stands like... Ah, oh, it looks like you could do with a cup of water. <laughs> and gets him a little <laughs> cup of water, and he starts drinking it before going. What do I want water for? I thought, I'd never really heard like Ollie's voice before, and it's really like regional accent of America. It's like Bostony or something. I don't know where he's from, but, like or New York maybe. I think it is. I might have to check where he's born actually. Who's that? Um, Who? Oliver Hardy. Hardy. Uh, Georgia, from... Harlem, Georgia, yeah. apparently. But maybe he just put. I don't know, I just found it a really distinctive American accent, what I wasn't expecting from him. I was expecting something much more neutral, and it felt like it sounded like a more regional accent to me, which kind of, like, surprised me, I think. Because, you know, these people are imagery to me. It's not, I'm not used to hearing them talk, frankly. I do like their next ruse, though. At the wedding. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, the wedding comes up, um, and they have a good laugh at the wedding. <laughs> It's got late, Ollie. I know it's it's eleven o'clock now. <laughs> so, uh, they they um they basically they put a wedding dress on Stan and make him crouch, isn't it? That's basically. <laughs> <laughs> and when he when when he's asked questions, he goes yes. <laughs> um, and so they they fool they fool the crooked man into marrying, um, Stan, which I'm sure didn't go down well in toilet. <laughs> that was probably. <laughs> It's probably the death sentence for gay marriage. Well, I mean, <laughs> like, like... <laughs> Noddy was not even allowed to sleep with big ears anymore. Like, no. They got banned from sleeping together. Different it's Toyland. But, you different know. Toyland. But old King Cole just had none of that tomfoolery. But yeah, so um, he, so the crooked man, Barnaby, gives uh, gives the mortgage to, to Ollie, who tears it up. Yeah, he seems bribe. to think by tearing up a mortgage that makes... The mortgage go away, which I'm just... surely you'd want to keep hold of it at least. I don't know. Yeah, can't you say that's now mine? I I own this now. Yeah, that's the I mean, tearing up just means they'll have to go get another copy. It doesn't make it disappear. You can't just tear up a bill. <laughs> but then obviously the lift. Maybe life in the thirties was different. Yeah. But anyway, he lifts up the veil, reveals its stand, and yep. uh, he's wearing the wedding dress. But I do like how it keeps coming back up later night. It keeps coming back that they're married. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does keep coming up. Like he, he kept saying, it, "Have we got recently married?" <laughs> I, we keep ignoring the fact that in between all these bits, like Tom and Bo Peep are singing to each other a lot. That's basically what happens. Yeah, that's yeah. She, he th- they sing about not finding the sheep, and Tom sings a song about Spanish castles, which I think is quite a famous song from the operetta. Okay. I think it's one of the famous ones that make it onto this. Um, but after the Spanish castle song, they um, Barnaby decides to frame Tom Tom, yeah, because he realised Tom Tom is kind of getting like Bo Peep's heart. 
So he frames Barnaby for a pignapping, <laughs> which again carries a sentence of punishment and death to Burgerland. Um <laughs> But I love uh, the fact that pignapping is a thing. It's like you know what the the punishment for pignapping is, don't you? You know the punishment for pignapping. We've had this before. This keeps happening. <laughs> and um, the main he evidence. Elmer that, as well. That's the one he abducts. Yeah, and the main evidence for this is is the fact that they found sausages inside Tom Tom's house. <laughs> but aren't they clearly. beef? Aren't they beef? Yes, that's what comes up. Like, yeah. I quite like this bit. They actually really made me laugh when um. Stan was eating them and going, "Well, this isn't this isn't pig; it's pork, or something." <laughs> and then Hardy eats them and goes, "No, it's not pig or pork; it's beef." And that's their like, "Oh my god, he's been framed. He's not. Be- he didn't. He didn't kill and cook the pigs after all." <laughs> Which is probably they all think that he did. Um, but Tom Tom's what's that? It's a bit what? Well, it's a bit weird because. They 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 banish Tom Tom, don't they? They say like you clearly killed and made into sausages the pig, so you're banished to to Bogeyland. That's right, yeah. Um, and Bopey's very sad about this. And there's a bit that like, are the crocodiles in Bogeyland? Well, what or I like is like- before that you kind of have like the the raft like a raft with like a, a go- it's almost like the river sticks isn't it like carrying yeah, them over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's all like the stalactite and stalactite kind of like it looks almost like it's out of like a George Melier kind of you know those yeah. old kind of uh, old films well this is an old film but even older but th- what we were saying about the crocodiles well there's I just there's there's a lot of natural crocodiles in this film which surprised yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't wait. I was like, "Why are there crocodiles in Toyland? Like, that's why, why do they live? <laughs> like, why is there a monkey with a mouse face on? Because he's Mickey Mouse. That's just what <laughs> Mickey Mouse is like, Ollie. Haven't you ever seen Mickey Mouse before? That's exactly what he does. He jumps and climbs at walls and <laughs> chucks bricks at cats. Well, that that rem- you does. know when they ever do do like this is Homer Simpson in real life or this is a cartoon <laughs> character like the real Ren Stimpy. It looks like that, like the nightmarish version. But anyway, yeah. If you if you ever seen like the kind of when they twist Garfield into nightmare in a tree, this is totally like twisting. Mickey yeah, the Mouse like into a myth addict version. Of- yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely what they did. Um, do you reckon that was them taking the piss in some respects? I do you think it no, was a dig? I think or- it's. No, I feel like it's completely earnest. I think just it's just like like the cat costume. I think they just this looked like kids' imagery back then. They're and all the fucking cat- suffering. They're all fought in World War One, Ollie. They're really messed up. <laughs> <laughs> the cat though looked like something out of the uh, the the uh, 90s or well, the 80s. Uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You know the BBC ones. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But if you ever look at the costumes in the Keanu Reeves ones, they look like. They're, they're terrible. They look like the ones you get from like the fancy dress shop. So at least they did a better <laughs> job in this than the. It's quite. Uh, it, to be very fair, the control of like that set and the look of the set and the detail they've got into is actually really quite impressive. Oh, I, I yeah, think. I agree. I hundred percent agree. I think it looks pretty. Like good. it's it, it does look pretty good actually, um, and probably did, was you know took quite a lot of like work to actually do. It isn't just like tossed together whether it kind of a little bit feels that way but not only because I think the plot is so like all over the place really which I think is the energy they're going for though I think I get I just get the feeling that's what Laura and Hardy films felt like like just manic stage shows 
really. It, it's just a shame it wasn't shot in Technicolor to begin with. Yeah. Because I think like, apparently fun, apparently Stan Laurel wished, like, in hindsight it was in colour because he thinks it would have made the film pop. But like I said before, the actual colourised version is pretty good, to be fair. Yeah. But um, so yeah, and Stan so, Laurel was just a consummate moaning. Anyway, he like that's that's the impression you get from him, isn't he? He was very serious about his business, very, yeah. v- very overly concerned with stuff like that, and just you know, never thought he did anything good. You know, everything could be done better. I think was kind of the idea you get from Stan Laurel, well, consummate think, like perfectionist. Yeah, and I think sometimes in a way that's a hindrance, but also it's a good thing because it keeps pushing you to try and strive to yeah. be better, and you don't like rest on your laurels. Yeah, I didn't mean it as a negative, really. I just that's the idea I get. Is that where it comes from? Rest on your laurels? No, I'm joking. <laughs> yes, it is. It is now. <laughs> anyway, um, so Bo Peep goes so, to find Tom. Tom, doesn't she? She follows yeah, him to. It goes down to Bogeyland. But um, when they go, and they, they sing a song there. Yeah, which is actually I thought was quite good. It was one of the songs that I actually quite liked. And that is, again, from the play. That's definitely from the play. But when I'm, they get there, like, they sing a song and, like, these ghosts start coming out the walls. Well, this is what I was wondering. I thought, are these meant to be what they think the bogeymen are? And it's really these, like, cute little translucent ghostly gnomes. Yeah, these gnomes come out, don't they? And, like, an old man. But I quite like the effect, you know. I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah. But oh, I don't... No, I didn't... I honestly didn't really understand what was going on. No, I didn't. I either. think th- it's something about the going to sleep, and I think the the guy's meant to be like the Sandman or something. But like, what are the gnomes then? I don't know the sleepy time gnomes. <laughs> 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 this episode is the worst episode I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, where are we? <laughs> yeah, um, so it's. After sleepy time, the bogeymen attack basically. <laughs> but That's they, right, but, yeah. but the people above now in Toyland, they know that Barnaby was, you know, he framed Tom Tom. So oh, he yeah, runs away. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he runs away, I think, into the into Bogeyland, which I think there's a well above that kind of leads down to Bogeyland. Yeah, because Stan and Ollie chuck him down a well, don't they? Yeah, and they start throwing rocks at him <laughs> to kill him. <laughs> The and then they think, oh, we better go down there and check to see if he's dead. So they go down in the caves. Yes, that's right. And then they help Bo Peep and Tom Tom escape, but they're kind of followed by the the little griblies or the bogeymen that live down there that look kind of like... Yeah, it's... They look like Grizzlaw from He-Man. The yes, big, they really do. They like, really do. Like hairy yeah. ape kind of people. They're like the grimace with like a face. Yeah. <laughs> they, um... It's weird because Barnaby goes down there and it looks like at the start that the bogeymen are going to just kill all the humans down there. Quotation marks. Down there. Um, But then Barnaby just kind of makes friends with them. (laughs) Like like he kind of just like waves at them and they like decide he's nice. And they they team up. In other versions, so like going back to the... the the eighties TV film and the the cartoon and stuff, and maybe the uh, the the original opera, that he has more connection with them preceding that, right? So it's kind of like they're like his lackeys and stuff like that. But I don't know. Yeah, I get the impression that they just they never had them before. It was just yeah. There. Um, but then, 
he they they escape Bogeyland, get back to Toyland, and Barnaby follows and invades Toyland with his army of bogeymen. He proper invades them like that painting of George Washington. You know, Washington crosses the Delaware. Yeah, yeah. It's a they use that imagery to have Barnaby and the bogeymen attacking Toyland, which I thought was really funny. Um, but this is, I didn't expect this film to end this way. I didn't expect it to end up in war. War in Toyland. Yeah, like a full-on action scene. I was like, whoa, yeah. what, the, what the hell? Where's this come from? And it literally, t- like, as I say, these people have got PTSD because this turns into, like, just a war land. Um, and uh, they start, so the bogeymen start, like, attacking everyone and killing everyone there. Uh, like, scaring kids in their beds. That's a big thing. Bogeymen keep bursting into, like, kids' bedrooms, don't they? And the kids are, like, screaming and stuff like that. To the point when I think some of them, the kids didn't know what was going on. <laughs> and uh, so it's kind of up to Stan and Ollie to fight back. And they're the first, how how's the, how do they fight back the first way, Ollie? Is it using his little whacker thing? I can't remember. His little whacker dart his little thing, yeah. His little whacker dart thing. So, like, Stan is, like, yeah, Stan is, like, just whacking these darts into the air and, like, just swiping them into all the boogeymen. And they as they get hit by a dart and they proper die. <laughs> they proper, like, they proper fall off buildings, like, an action scene when they get hit by these darts. It's incredible. <laughs> so, is this, has the monkey got his little airship at this point? Yeah, this is when the yeah the monkey well, goes Mickey, into the Mickey. Mickey, Mickey yeah, this. Mickey Mouse goes into the toy factory, finds some incendiary bombs, <laughs> and then jumps into a tiny little like Hindenburg airship and starts flying about the town, bombing the Pokemon. <laughs> my my favorite thing is though because he's the, the, Mickey's obviously dropping them from above. But when they actually yeah. hit them, they're coming from the side because it's obviously just the crew at the side going. <laughs> just the, the crew chucking them. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. And then and then Stan accidentally shoots Mickey Mouse down. Oh um, yeah, with these who, little darts. Cool, because that's dart. they've, they've put darts on the end of the little whacker things, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, they're proper darts and. Uh, yeah, he punctures the airship and it blows up, and he and the and Mickey Mouse parachutes to safety. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't know at first if it was meant to be a little. I thought they were going to do like a little steamboat Willy reference because I thought it was like a little boat. Yes. Um, I thought it was going to be a steamboat Willy reference. Funny enough, someone in this film and I can't remember which which guy it is now. I had it in, I had it written down somewhere. He voices um, Pete in the Mickey Mouse cartoons at this time. Oh, okay. Um, a goofy's like enemy kind of. Uh, yeah, well, Mickey Ma- um Steamboat Willie. It's it is, Mickey yeah, it's Pete, and Pete, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's like the big enemy at this time. But anyways, they uh they get fed up of like one by one shooting the the like shooting the uh, boogeymen. So they decide to load up all the um all the darts into a cannon and just like they start just bombard and to bombard the bogeymen as well. Uh, at that point, like the kind of townspeople have seen that you can fight back against the boogeymen, so they start absolutely Ewoking the... Uh, oh, the I've got that in my notes, you bugger. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they they put like little... The pigs have got like little trip ropes and stuff like that <laughs> yeah. tripping over the boogeymen. But then they start tripping themselves up. I don't know if that was intentional or if that was just a mistake because they it couldn't see what they were set. doing. <laughs> yeah, because they got these pig masks glued to their faces. 
Um, just when it seems like they can't win, like the boogeymen are getting uh, their advances, uh, Stan and Stan and Ollie remember about the toy soldiers they made, and um, they activate them to to send the toy soldiers to war. And then, we then get it, some little stop motion sequences. You do get some little stop motion sequences, yeah. That's <laughs> me. I had to I did a little nice. cheer when I saw that. Yeah, me too. I was like, Ollie will be happy. <laughs> <laughs> And yes, yeah, so the they the the toy soldiers properly go to war. They stop beating the shit out of the boogeyman. <laughs> like, start whacking them with these sticks and stuff like that, don't they? And just trying to push them out the door. Uh, so they get and they push them into the crocodile-filled waters. <laughs> yeah, and doesn't it like pretty much end then? And it just goes and they lived happily ever after. Pretty much, yeah. I think it, well, it, it it ends with um. It ends with them all cheering that the boogeymen have all been killed, and uh, and Ollie and um, uh, Stan and Ollie go. We're gonna wish them a goodbye by firing the cannon at them. Oh yeah! <laughs> and instead, it spins round and hits Ollie with Ollie a thousand darts, darts, like yeah. all over him, and he jumps around in pain, and they all kind of laugh, and that's how it finishes. Says here um, the film ends with Stan pulling them out one by one as Ollie winces. I don't remember seeing that unless I'm. I just remember getting covered and they kind of bounce around. Really, yeah. yeah. The original ending, because one person we haven't mentioned in this ending is uh, Mister Crooked Man. Oh yeah. And I got this from the reputable source of a YouTube comment. Okay. <laughs> so. It's been vetted and verified. It's been vetted by all our top researchers. <laughs> Apparently, the original ending was Stan and Ollie were stuffing stuffing Barnaby into the cannon to shoot him out of town, and that would he would hit like the screen in animation, spelling out the end, like his body parts or something would oh, spell out the I'd end love on to the screen. That. <laughs> um, the studio rejected this idea; it was a too grotesque. Um, Boo! So it's more like a just. There's no real. You never actually get an ultimate fate of Barnaby. I think you just see him in like a children's house kind of screaming or something, don't you? Like that's just like the last time you see him. Yeah. But um yeah, apparently that's the ending. It was meant to be Barnaby getting shot out of a cannon right writing the end. According to a YouTube comment which I haven't verified. <laughs> I haven't been <laughs> able to verify from any other source. I just put that out there. <laughs> but it is kind of weird that they don't actually finish Barnaby off. So I do I can exp- I can imagine something was cut anyway. So what did you what did you think overall then? I thought it was a fucking weird film. Like, <laughs> I think I messaged you so and I was odd. like halfway through and I was like this is fucking weird. I could, like the fact that it's all about like forced marriages and like yeah. like predatory like 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 l- like mortgage sharks and like lecherous kind of like like old men against like young women is so weird that all this is like in Toyland. Like I was just I couldn't I couldn't get my head around that this is what the film was doing, but kind of enjoyed kind of enjoyed it. Like it's not it's not without like kind of its um I think well, I guess what I'm saying is Stan and Ollie are really quite good at what they do. I think Oh yeah, yeah, they're pros, I think that's what they, drags yeah. it up. Like yeah. they, they knew exactly what they looked like on screen, how to play up to it, how to like get the jokes in and even if by today's standard it's very you know, you see it coming kind of thing. Maybe back then you saw it coming and that was the point. People just like to see it. Like, maybe that was the kind of the, the appeal 
that it's kind of fun to see all that coming and I just, kind of had a good time with it. I just feel it's weird how little they are at the beginning. Yeah, it is. It seems I mean, really odd. By the end, they're in like pretty much every scene, but like the beginning bits is odd. Cause it's almost I like, feel like well, it could have had them like fall into Toyland or something, you know, like from I think like that, yeah, that would have been more interesting if it was them as their personas. Yeah, going into, like like all the other store, all the other versions have people coming into it. Yeah, I think I that definitely could have been a different intro that would have maybe made more sense because the the idea that these two people just live in Toyland and they work at the toy factory is really weird. <laughs> But like I really, it's almost like an LSD trip. Like <laughs> it's just bonkers, <laughs> and you know, I like these kinds of things. Like one of the films I tried to make when I was younger was like a mashup of all the the B movie monsters and stuff like that, kind of all oh, together yeah, sure. and stuff like that. And I just like it when they kind of just take like all these. It's like Alan Moore when he did, um, you know, League of Gentlemen and stuff, <laughs> yeah. Extraordinary Gentlemen and stuff like that. And I just kind of enjoy the kind of. I think it's fun, and I just thought I, I, I just generally really enjoyed it. I kind of just had fun with it, yeah. yeah I did. Yeah. I was not. Ex- I didn't know what to expect, and it wasn't this. Like I wouldn't have ever guessed this was what this film was. So that was kind of pleasant to me. But um, I, my joke was that um, the kind of the, the like depicting Toyland as a place of like like predatory mortgage lenders and forced marriage and extreme capital punishment is a statement of anti-capitalism and I support this <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I think they were secret communists and they should have been on that, <laughs> that anti-American board <laughs> <laughs> yeah what a film and um, kind of fun so Merry Christmas <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas to you <laughs> so what would you give this out of uh, five then Liam I think I just gave it a solid three, honestly. Like, yeah, I think, I think a three is fair. I mean, that's what I gave Spider-Man, so... That's <laughs> what I gave Spider-Man as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's on that level. Totally. Um, so, yeah, we're not sure exactly when we're going to be back properly, but it'll be in early in the new year. But um, we might do, yeah. like, a, I might do an episode with Brandon or we might do something short on The Matrix or something. I don't know. Yeah, we might do something else. But... When we are back properly, we will be covering the 1930s. That is next on our list. The first film we will be covering is All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah. So look look forward to that in your feeds at some point. But you might hear some bonus episodes or little drops from us before that. Just because I need to get settled in a new town. So And moving is a lot. That's all. Apologies if we're a bit weary. Uh, we, we haven't done this for a little while. So we're kind of dusting <laughs> off our podcasting pipes and uh, it also is midnight as well now so <laughs> yeah. another, it was a sexy late night christmas podcast <laughs> sexy christmas podcast. i forgot to forgot to tell you after the last uh christmas podcast which it it's crazy it doesn't even feel like it's a year ago that we did that no it does not but i was taking because i was doing another animated music video when am i not making an animated music video but i was taking <laughs> out rubbish and i tripped over on the drive and like my rubbish went everywhere and I thought, oh, oh my no. hand, my hand really hurts. And I looked down at my hand, and my middle finger on my left hand had bent over to the oh. other side of my finger uh, of my hand. Oh. So it was like on a right angle, and I just freaked out, and it wobbled, and I was like, oh my god, oh my and god, I, and I just cl- pushed it back into place, <laughs> and like, like I full on dislocated my finger, and it was the strangest, most bizarre. Like, do you ever have? <laughs> feelings of when you think of something that happened to you and you kind of get a bit of a retro a bit of a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so 
Anytime I think of that podcast, the um, uh, what's it? What the hell was that film called? I don't know. Santa wants to kill everyone. Um, <laughs> Once upon a Christmas. No. Once upon a one magic Christmas. One magic Christmas. Anytime I think of that film, I think of my finger being bent <laughs> in the wrong direction. I literally cannot believe it took you a year to tell me this. <laughs> Did I not have enough told you that? No. <laughs> but like, whenever it gets cold now, this finger hurts. It's like if you ever like. If you ever sprained your leg or anything like that, and when it gets cold, you're like, "Ooh, I can feel it in my bones." It's the Harry Dean Stanton haunting you. <laughs> he is, yeah. <laughs> With pain. Ah, <laughs> oh, why can't I remember his name? Well, magic. You haven't is. remembered a name today. I know. I'm terrible. It was Gideon. Gideon. Oh, it was Gideon. You're right. Gideon. Uh, how do you write the Santa clauses in these two films compared to each other? Oh, this Santa was fine. Yeah. This was a, this was a fine screen Santa. He was yeah. jolly and round and lovely, whereas the Santa in One Magic Christmas was an angry German guy. Benevolent, benevolent German who <laughs> possibly had a it Nazi like... in, his, in his grotto and dead people working yeah. on his presence. He had a haunted both... What is with like this horror kind of like imagery of Christmas that we seem to be finding? I don't mind. Like I was, I watched the Krampus the other week. You know the. Um, oh yeah, I quite enjoy that as well. That was quite a fun, almost Gremlins esque. I haven't seen much like, of Christmas films so far. I've been watching some Hallmark Christmas films. Oh, I've watched the. T- we should have got into this earlier, but I, <laughs> I watched a ton of Hallmark Christmas films as well. They've all kind of got the same plot, so it doesn't even matter if you watch half of one and watch no. the other half of another one. They all kind of blend together. But you got it all. But there's something enjoyable about them, and I don't know what it is. I think very enjoyable. And I watched one the other just, day, and I was like, "Oh, it's a, it's a, it was the same sex couple." I was like, "Way to go, Hallmark!" Way to go, Hallmark! <laughs> I was like, "That's good on you." <laughs> but anyway, um, just before yeah, just before I go, I want to shout out that was a I was a guest on Lorcan Mullen's twenty first films. Uh, so check that out. It was me and him talking about uh, Gleaners and I. Is it out uh, already? Fun. Yeah, it's definitely out. Yeah. Because I, I know he likes to, to bank a lot, so I didn't know if it was like coming out at a later date. Anyway, so after you've uh, listened to this podcast, check out that podcast with Liam and Lochran. Yeah, so anyway, we hope you all have a very happy Christmas, and uh, let's hope the new year is better than the last couple of years <laughs> that we've had. Um, please uh, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. You can reach out to us on Twitter. We are at Adjust Your Tracking. That's with a YR, not a your. And yeah, don't forget, if the picture's bad, always adjust your tracking. <laughs> <laughs>